waiting for a train. A train that'll take you far away. You know where you hope this train will take you. But you can't know for sure. And it doesn't matter. Now tell me why! Ladies, gents, mummies, and choo-choo, join us today on a magical journey across the cosmos on Warrior Desho, a bad anime podcast that is occasionally good, and sometimes we talk about good things. More often than not these days, actually. Maybe we should go back to the well of awfulness at some point, but that's definitely not what's happening today. Anyway, I'm Shane, and joining me, of course, from across the pond and a little bit across the cosmos, but still a good person, a good friend of mine, the Subtle Doctor. Hello, friends. Uh, hi, Shadon. Uh, I hope everyone, including yourself, uh, Chromia Stone, Guilty as Gear, uh, is, is as <laughs> safe and, uh, and happy and well uh, as possible. Thanks for joining us. Uh, whenever, whenever this happens to be for you, we appreciate being part of your media diet. And uh, yeah, I am like cosmically excited uh to be talking about to be talking about this movie i'm i'm so happy uh that you picked it um and i don't know why we haven't haven't done this sooner honestly talk about uh a lazyverse uh property yeah well i suppose that's actually a good segue into me talking about how i came to pick this because for all the time that we've been doing this podcast and all the stuff that we've discussed, all the various genres of anime, all the shows we've covered from the absolutely atrocious, to the truly inspiring and amazing. Um, my overall knowledge and experience of anime is still very, I'm very, still a neophyte, I'm still like, you know, a, a, a Padawan learner in that area. There's a lot of stuff I haven't seen, particularly from further back in time. And it's funnily enough, like I think over the past year or two, I've started taking more of an interest in all the stuff because there's a lot of fascinating things out there. I mean, this is how I came across stuff like, say, Bubblegum Crisis and Dirty Pair, which are two of my favorite movies. I mean, the fact that they feature hot women in, like, you know, cyber <laughs> sci-fi settings, shooting lasers and generally being awesome has absolutely nothing to do with that, I assure you. Nothing. But anyway, so we should, of course, provide the context that Galaxy Express 999 um, the actual manga, I believe, was created by, of course, Leiji Masamosa, who you mentioned a bit, a bit ago. And sadly, he passed away earlier this year. I think it was just from old age and natural causes, as I recall. I don't think anything else happened about that I'm aware of. I will just check, actually. Yeah, I, I want to say that, like, he... I, I, it, I can't remember if it was related, but I know, like, a couple of years... which And he passed in February of 2023. And I think like a, a year or two prior, he suffered a stroke. And so he wasn't really able to do as much, you know, traveling and stuff like that. Like he suffered the stroke. He was at like a fan thing in Italy. Um, 
And then, yeah, that sort of limited his travel and everything. And perhaps, you know, his passing is is loosely connected. I, I don't have the details in front of me either. But I am filibustering so that you can can ferret them out. Have you found anything? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he died um, of heart failure. But he was, he was 85 years old, which I think is a pretty good run, all told. Um, but everything I've gathered about Lady Matsumoto, like my, again, my knowledge of this guy, I, I couldn't even fill a paragraph. And after having watched um, this film, I can I still can't fill a paragraph on his history. But he he strikes me as being in the same cadre of people as Gonagai, where they just seem to have had such a wide gamut of work from that period of like the seventies and eighties that it's just kind of insane. Like all the stuff that's been out there that they've created. I mean, he is of course responsible for Space Battleship Yamato, for example. Um, yeah insanely uh, prodigious person by the look of it, like creating a lot of different works and material out there. And so I thought to myself, okay, the only other Leiji Matsumoto adjacent work that we've done, and I say adjacent, it's not even really a direct thing that he did, but he had involvement with it, was Interstellar 5555. Yeah. Uh, which we did way back when in the, <laughs> I don't know, the, bron- the Bronze Age of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 2016, <laughs> the year of our Lord and Savior, the, Donald Trump. Oh, there was no, there, there was no Lord in that suit <laughs> year. Fuck off. Not a chance. Um, uh. so, so, yeah, I thought, okay, in the spirit of what this podcast has always supposedly been about, which is exploring stuff I've not seen before, at least speaking myself here, mm-hmm. and also just to try and honor the man in question, I thought, let's go and check out Galaxy Express 999, because now I need to also segue into why I picked this one in particular, because Can like I... many things in my... Sorry, I'm... Oh, no, it's okay. I just wanted to briefly note while I was thinking about it. It's so funny and coincidental that, you know, you talk about us doing Interstellar uh, early on in the life of our pod. That was like the fourth or fifth episode, maybe. Um, it was episode 5555. Five, five, five. <laughs> right. But I can't remember if that, <laughs> you know, where that fits in the continuity. Because we also have episode 666, which was our Devilman Crybaby episode. Wait, wait, wait uh, how'd you get our bets here? We're going to be running this until, like, you know, the, the heat death of the universe. It's, It'll slot yes. its place in time, don't worry. <laughs> but, like, uh, it's it's so, because I, I remember uh, a few months prior to that, over Christmas, that was when the plans uh, to start this podcast were really coming together. You know, that's Christmas 2015. Uh, December 2015 is when I really reached out to you and valerie uh about about doing this and i remember when i was editing uh, our first episode after we recorded it uh that december one of the things i was doing between uh like when i would take editing breaks i was watching for the first time galaxy express 39 the movie Mm. So there you go. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting <laughs> biographical thing. Like we covered Leiji Matsumoto early and I was watching Leiji Matsumoto stuff uh, for, for, for the first time uh, when the podcast was uh, just a, a tiny infant child. Yep. Still not big enough to ride for teacups at Disneyland, but it has grown since then. So a little bit. I, su- I, I suppose I should also now clarify, why did I pick this one particularly? Why? Um, Galaxy Express 999 and not, say, Space Captain Harlock, for example. And like many things in my life, it involves beer. <laughs> no, what? I'm actually not joking here. I'll hmm. explain. So, 
while I don't know very much about Galaxy Express 999 in general, both before and after this film, although I do know a bit more, uh, I had seen its lead character, Maisel, around at various points, like in, like say, retweets on social media, or in, like say, clips on YouTube, things like that, or even inspiration in character designs for like certain video games and other places. Like she's she's had a long legacy, but I particularly remember seeing a picture, uh, uh, or sorry, an advert of her promoting, I think it was Asahi Beer. It was like a relatively recent one, judging from the colouring of like the um, the advert itself, like it was quite bright colour palette, so you could tell like it was a fairly modern one. And that's, and I'm like, okay, this character must be, call this silly if you will, but this character must be quite like, you know, well liked in pop Japanese pop culture to be used to promote alcohol. <laughs> I mean... She does actually yeah. have a drink in this film, to be fair. And so that kind of stuck in my mind. And I thought, okay, where's this character from? And I looked it up, it was Galaxy Express 999. And I was like, okay, great. I reckon we should cover this on the podcast so that way we can also just celebrate the work of Lady Matsumoto. And I had you a look at the number of episodes the TV show can be by itself. And I was like, mm. oh. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> first in a 12 part series this would have been because it's over 100 episodes and we can, barely hand, we can barely handle 12 at the best of times so however uh, it did turn out that there was indeed a movie released in 1979 if, I, if I've read it right yep. mm-hmm. um, and I was curious then to watch it not just because hey more familiar with Leiji Matsumoto get to know who this Maytel character is but I was also curious about that old age old question if you have an anime film that's like derivative from a TV show or a manga that goes on like into wider scope, how does it stand on its own two feet? How well, rather, does it stand? And that's the question we'll be answering in this podcast, don't you worry. Um, but yeah, I that's how it came about, really. It was just, or, I or knew so little. We might be answering, does it go off the tracks eventually? <laughs> oh, no! Hey. We're already starting the puns! Oh, oh, I'm conducting. Uh, no, get the out! Punch train. <laughs> oh God, don't make me punch your tickets. <laughs> Very good. good. Very good. God, I, sw- I swear, Doc. Sometimes you just send me mixed signals, mate. <laughs> All right, is that out of our system? Are we good? <laughs> Someone untie the pod from the tracks and let's get this thing oh, moving again. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's it. We're off now. We we should just do a comedy edit where we put, like, that little fuzzy, like, radio noise in yeah. and then just have it go <laughs> to SpongeBob two hours later. Yes. Right. right. <laughs> and it's still us doing fucking trade puns. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. Shit. Right, anyway. The the, so, uh, the fans are steaming uh, on the other side of the uh the earbuds. So again, we should we should keep things keep things moving along. Y- yes. Yes. <laughs> Running yes. on time. I, I mean I we, I know we like to, you know, railroad ourselves on certain topics, but we should really, really stick to that this time. Okay, I won't I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's really the background of why I picked this. And I suppose now that uh, given I've just talked about the background a little bit, um, me and Doc here will give our uh, non-spoilery summary review. So this will be spoiler-free, it'll be brief, it's the back-of-the-box quotes, like, you know, if I worked for a prestigious, like, 
you know, media newspaper, like, you know, the Chicago Sun Times, something like that, and I was doing the Rodri bit. What would I write on the back? What would I what would I put on there? And let me see. I, again, I'm tempted. Not, I'm, so the the, the rail puns. <laughs> just there, trick. like I'm, I'm just falling. I'm I'm making a fit my face with one hand. I'm just like gnawing on my knuckles. Leiji like, oh, Matsumoto oh, steers a crazy train oh, into your no. heart. Well, we know what know. the opening song for this will be. No, no, fa- no it's Ozzy not Ozzy happening. It is not it's not, not no, doing it. No, I am not no, that. No, Osborne. I am not. No, nothing against uh, Oz. But I, I just I think I have higher standards than that to go for fruit that low hanging. I mean, come on. Uh, well, that's why you're here on this podcast to you know compliment me, Doc. You have standards. I don't. Um, okay, my non-spoiler summer review in a in a less uh, pro like you know quick and um, succinct uh, way would be I really fucking love this movie, but but oh. Every time I say a but now, this is one of those buts that comes from like a place in my heart where I'm like, I want to unequivocally love it, but I can't. Um, but unfortunately, things do go awry in the last quarter of the film. There's a very specific point in this movie, which we'll talk about later when we get into spoiler discussion, where I almost felt like it should have gone to credits there and then, and it would have been better for it. <laughs> everything that came after, and, and everything that comes after that particular uh, like point, uh-huh. to me, just feels like it should have either been its own movie entirely to allow some of the stuff that's discussed and revealed it to be expanded upon. Um, I believe. I believe that was uh, an idea at some stage in the production. Was that Matsumoto wanted to to pull the two apart, but. But he was not in charge of this movie solely, so, you know, that idea was yeah. uh, railroaded, so to speak. Oh. <laughs> it was pushed no, back I to can't. the caboose. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't, no. I'm normally the one with all the bad puns, but I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, but up until that point, though, the the, the movie is just choo-chooing along. See, I can do it, actually. Yep. Mm-hmm. The movie is just choo-chooing along absolutely fine. It's a treat to look at. Um, the music is really, really phenomenal in this movie. I was struck by how perfect the orchestral score was for setting the mood and the emotions of the characters. Um, there's actually some really good thematic quality to a lot of the of the movie as well. Like it's actually got things to say. Um, oh, oh yes, oh yes, yeah. And, and it's the, the I think it's the Columbia uh, Philharmonic, or maybe not Philharmonic, the Columbia Symphony Orchestra that, that they say at the beginning of the film and. Uh, in the the discotheque slash Eastern Star DVD, uh, it's it is a it's an orchestra from so it's this American orchestra, uh, American based orchestra doing uh, the soundtrack uh, in association with uh, a Japanese composer who I'll pull up at some stage. Yeah, it's. <sighs> It's really, really good up until that point. Like, there's a, there's a lot going on that I really, really enjoyed. It felt almost like a a classic, like, 1960s sci-fi novel. Like, it felt like it had, the like, the structure and the bones of that kind of work. Um, 
And speaking and to answer the question as well of does this movie work as a standalone? Like, because I can tell you that without spoiling anything, in case you want to go watch it yourselves, but don't want to get into a hundred plus episode show. Yes, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, I think it works too well, but that ties into my complaint about the final quarter. But we'll get to that <laughs> separately. But my final note also would be like it's just a really great swashbuckling adventure as well. It's got that feel of it, like, and I think that it perfectly sets up what I was hoping the wider premise of Galaxy Express 999 would be, which is individual tales, like Maytel coming into someone's life and leaving at the end of it. They go on a little adventure and that's it. Almost like, and this is, might sound like a strange comparison, but almost like the Doctor from Doctor Who. But you're not following the Doctor in this structure. You're following the individual people week after week. And I think that it's so perfectly set up for that that it really does actually make me want to go watch the show even though it's a hundred and plus episodes and change, but yeah, uh, wholeheartedly recommended. But just y- you'll know when it goes a bit wonky towards the end when the jank sets in. Um, even as a fan of old anime, um, I would say that the the show can be a bit of a struggle at times, um, just due to the the constraints of of the era. You know the technology, uh, the budget, all that good stuff. Um, but of course, you know, if if you don't mind that, that's a perfectly adequate way of experiencing three nine. But that show was also adapted from a manga. It was originally a manga, and uh, Matsumoto is like he's got a ton of anime, and people sort of over here uh, in the West sort of know him from his anime. But in the last few years, um, sort of his manga has been coming over. And that's sort of, that's who Matsumoto is, is a, a, I think, first and foremost, a manga artist. And so there is a 3-9 manga, and it looks beautiful. And it might be, I actually don't know if it, it has been released. Um, I know... Uh, that other manga of of his has made it over here uh in whole or in part i haven't checked in on on 39 but um but that uh the, the, his manga is just is beautiful is gorgeous and uh totally a great way to experience unmediated matsumoto <laughs> right cuz uh mm-hmm. anime as we know is a very collaborative uh medium and there's you know always sort of more voices than just one most of the time uh at at the table making decisions. Um yeah. Okay, so my my sort of review, right, is uh I am so goddamn glad that you picked this movie Shadam because it spiritually nourished me. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. As as uh people on our Discord may know, uh I haven't really been watching a ton of anime lately. Um and that's not really for any particular reason. You know, I'm not like, ah, oh, new anime just doesn't have it anymore. They don't make them like these, all that sort of stuff that you might be thinking, right? As I talk about how a, a late 70s anime rekindled my love for the medium. Uh, it's not that. But, oh my God, was it just so refreshing to see a film uh, an anime film with, I don't know, just such a strong point of view, 
you know, you talk about like the movie saying stuff like that. It's just overflowing with stuff to say. Like, I think this is such a great class struggle movie. Um, yes. That is my favorite sort of lens through which to interpret this movie. And I think that there's a lot to say uh, in the movie with that, which is not to say that this movie is like a bastion of progressivism or anything. I mean, there's definitely uh, gender questions and race questions that you could, that you could ask about this movie. Um, and the movie might not have good answers for you. Um, no, but, but not something I hold against the film in particular, or even against Matsumoto, uh, or Rintaro or whoever you want to say, but anyway, getting back on track. haha. Um, yeah, man, just a strong point of view, both thematically and artistically, like God, the, the, the character designs and, and the art and, uh, and Rintaro's sort of like shot selection and stuff. Uh, just what a, I just was entranced by this. It really uh, wove a, a spell on me watching it. And I mean, it's it definitely doesn't feel like a thing that rolled off the old anime conveyor belt in yes, the, the yes. 21st century, right? Uh, it doesn't feel like some sort of commodity. You know, although like, you know, as decades went on, like more Masamoto Productions, uh, became a thing and you know that the quality of his stuff after the 1980s can get a bit dicey <laughs> it's not all mm -hmm. fantastic some of it's good some of it's whatever uh as we know because we've covered interstellar um but man i i was like this movie like in terms of like media diet it, it was like like eating just a i three course meal. It was just so healthy and sustaining and, um, and not all of it went down easy. <laughs> right. Um, I think you could the say dessert that, was particularly rough. Yeah. The final, the final course was, um, was definitely an acquired taste. Uh, there, there may be some pacing issues, uh, <laughs> that you could potentially have with the movie, but I think as an overall package, um, as you said, great adventure story, a lovely piece of science fantasy. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned Space Battleship Yamato, which is uh, something that Matsumoto worked on that uh, is more in firmly puts its feet in the science fiction genre, whereas stuff that is um, that you would call Lagiverse. So Yamato, uh, we, sh we should talk about the continuity or, or lack thereof, but... Yamato kind of exists outside of it because it wasn't Matsumoto's IP. Um, you know, it's not like a manga that he worked on or whatever. It was like a him and uh, Nishizaki made it together. Um, uh, and of course, other people were involved in that as well. Um, Nobro Ishiguro, famously, also involved in that. ton of amazing people. But, um, uh, but, um, but yeah, that's more sci-fi, whereas like stuff like 3-9, Captain Harlock, like definitely more science fantasy. There's definitely there's like more whimsy. Uh the the world building and everything, things feel a little bit more shrouded in mist. Uh there there are more fantastical elements in certain corners of the Lazyverse. Uh so yeah, man, I this movie's great. 
Uh, I feel like if you haven't watched any Matsumoto stuff, I think this is a fantastic place to start, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're both pretty agreed and unanimous on the fact that you should go watch it, although there are going to be caveats to it. From what I've gathered as well, the plot of the series is actually basically the plot of the film, but obviously massively abridged. So I can't say with any certainty, having not seen any of the series, if it's worth them watching because you've seen the film. But the film is still, regardless, a great starting point and very worth your time. Mm -hmm. Um, And And I will also add one... Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I was just... you, You go and then I'll go. I was going to say as well, one of the things that struck me is we talked very briefly about the social commentary that this film has, which isn't like really overt, shall we say, but it's very much there. It's actually really well handled, but that's something we'll discuss later. Um, But what I found fascinating was that this film, again, was in 1979. And by virtue of it being made then, the manga must have come before then. And yet it's already making observations that feel like they should... I don't know, like maybe this is my ignorance of the material at the time and the general, like, you know, uh, social commentary in Japanese fiction that was being put out then. But, like, it just felt like very of it, like, how should I put it? It's like very aware of its time and even just mm. like of the recent history prior to that point in a way, like, where it didn't feel like, oh, I've got the, the benefit of hindsight now to write this work and offer this warning. Like, no, it was written in the moment when the warning was needed the most. That's the impression I get. I'm probably not accurate on that, but it's something that struck me. I was like, this is this has got social commentary on it, but like is resonant even now. But it's like something that was apparent back then when this was made. That's mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, and so as far as like, you know, what came first. So both the manga and the TV show were still being made <laughs> when the film mm-hmm. was like uh put together um it was one of those things where like toei had not had uh a super big financial success of a film for a few years and so it saw that you know leiji matsumoto's stuff was doing well and so it jumped in was like give us this movie (laughs) like i think it had been Mm -hmm. making uh i i I don't know something about the fact that like it was a a new story not sort of a retread of something else um but it was it was this original and and new story at the time and they wanted like a self-contained deal and so yeah this movie was made uh before like the manga and tv show were concluded um so i don't i don't actually know because i haven't seen the entire tv show or read the manga if or how much they diverge but honestly when we talk about the continuity you're gonna say it, it honestly doesn't really matter that all, all that much but the the second film adieu galaxy express 39 is a direct sequel to this movie and is meant to be the the end of the series right i see i see okay well um We've talked a lot then about the our non-spoilery summary review, like our feelings on it without going into too much detail. I suppose now we can talk about the creatives whom we've mentioned a couple of times already. We've talked about Leiji Matsumoto, we've talked about Rintaro. So, uh, Doc, you're always the um, the bonnet, you've always got the bona fides with creatives. You know what you're doing with this. I'll pass it over to you to uh, take us through them. Well, 
that's very kind of you, but let me just say, by no means an expert uh, on Masamoto, Plagiverse, Rotaro, Masako Nozawa, <laughs> any of the 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 people lending their talents to to this movie. Uh, I would say like there are a couple people, uh, Dave Merrill and Tim Eldred, who have run uh, fan sites and uh, about Matsumoto and his works. Uh, and I know Merrill, I think he runs Anime Weekend Atlanta, which is a really big con over here. Um, and, and these folks were like instrumental in kind of getting the good word out about Matsumoto's stuff. Like when when it was coming over uh when when it was being made <laughs> and and when it was first coming over into the fandom when when there wasn't a sort of retail fandom right when it was mm. like all about the tape trading and you know uh and, and stuff like that like they helped uh to popularize like star blazers and get that on television and wrote a lot about captain harlock and um I, I'm I'm grouping them together here because it's, it's been a long time since I've like read each of the works and to disambiguate like who wrote what and did each particular contribution is uh, people can do that in the comments. But I think of those two names and I think of Matsumoto expertise. And of course, there's like been great books written uh, an essay. There's a Helen McCarthy edited collection of essays about uh, the lazy verse and Matsumoto's life and work. Um, mm. there's a lot of great, great stuff. And, um, also, uh, RIP to a real one Matsumoto, if we haven't said that, uh, out yeah. those words in a row there. Uh, but so for, for just some brief words about, uh, these folks, um, we're going to start with Matsumoto. Uh, I, I was, uh, I, I won't say corrected, but like when, on um, when I put the tweet out, uh, you know, we're going to do an episode about Leiji Matsumoto's film, Galaxy Express 3-9. Uh, the, the Ota King and um, uh, Maddow 01, which is probably not Rachel Maddow, probably a different Maddow, uh, but that they basically <laughs> were like, hey, this is a Rintaro movie. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right. Uh, we're definitely going to talk uh, Rintaro for sure. Uh, worry not. But, uh, but because Matsumoto is passing kind of uh, and then, you know, the character design they tell inspired you directly here for us to look at the film. Um, I wanted to to look at it as a primarily like a work of Matsumoto and, and think about it in that way and through that that lens and uh, interpretive trajectory. So Matsumoto was a guy who was born like right before World War II, early memories colored by the war. Um, his dad served in the war. His dad was a pilot, I believe. Um, his dad flew over the Yamato as it was sinking <laughs> to end the war. Um, and he's someone Damn. who, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he grew up on science fiction, like classic science fiction, um, stuff like H.G. Wells and other Japanese sci-fi authors. And, um, he was all about drawing as well. Uh, he started drawing when he was a wee lad of six, uh, inspired by, you know, the god of manga, Osamu Tezuka. And, you know, 
he started drawing his own manga as a kid. And then at 15, he submitted his work uh, for a prize uh, to be published in a, in a magazine. I believe it was Shonen King. Uh, and he won. And uh, that was his first published work. And uh, he kept on going. And when he was 18, he moved uh, to Tokyo. So he was born in Fukuoka. But uh, he moved to Tokyo to pursue full-time career uh, of being a mangaka. And, uh, you know, he went on to do all these incredible works that we've talked about. You know, Yamato, Captain Harlock, 3-9. Uh, spinoffs of of this stuff, Queen Emeraldus. Yep, she has her own her own show and manga. I have read some of the Queen Emeraldus manga. It fucking rules. I mean, uh, she's a great character. She deserves a role. She, she does. Her show. Yes, yes. Did you know? By the way, Harlock was like pitched to be in uh, Yamato, and that was it was denied. And um, you know what? It's probably all for the best because like. I really like him on his own in his own show and as part of a, a more science fantasy universe. Hmm. I like Harlock yeah. fighting space witches. I'm entirely okay with that. <laughs> you know, f- f- piloting rather than a simple futuristic ship, like a, a fucking age of discovery sailboat outfitted to be underneath you know, part of like a like a submarine or or just a ridiculous, <laughs> a ridiculous looking, an amazing looking ship. Um, but yeah, and I mean, he's got and he's got like a ton of stuff like that's lesser known, like not just Interstellar. You know, he's got like you know Gun Frontier and DNA Sites nine 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 nine. Um, and. You know, there's, you know, and you say Captain Harlock, but there's like a bunch of Captain Harlock properties. Um, and I think this is as good a time as any to to mention this. Um, like you, so Shadon, you have seen this movie, right? You have seen Galaxy Express 3.9 and perhaps in the future we'll be watching a Captain Harlock film called Arcadia of My Youth and, you know, you might be like, well, wait a minute. Stuff is happening here that seems to contradict things that happen in 3 9. Mm. Does it take place before? Does it take place after? What's the deal? People talk about a Lageyverse. And me, the consumer who knows about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, knows what a shared universe is. It's a, a linear line of hard continuity that cannot be broken. And that's what those things are. Well, I'm here to tell you, dear listener, if you were expecting that from the Leiji Matsumoto universe of manga and films, you will be disappointed. <laughs> because yeah, it's, 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 it's trying to retroactively fit something that we termed in the modern era over something they didn't really apply to back then. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... He's, I think he's thinking about it in some ways, but like, you know, a lot like um, Shoji Kawamori, like he has interesting ideas about, you know, events and characters and how they relate to each other in his big world, his big universe. Um, Gosh, so 
By the way, his birth name is not uh, Reiji Matsumoto. Uh, he's Akira, or Akira, pardon me. And uh, he changed his name to Reiji um, in part because the character for Rei uh, is Zero, and he believed Zero represented an infinity of possibilities. And um, that might be, I don't know, that might kind of give you some insight into his thinking when it comes to his, that, his universe. I guess that... I guess that means that Galaxy Express 999 only had that many issues he was ever going to make of it, if he ever got that far. That's, very, that's right. Very into his numbers, this guy, by the way, I gather. True, true. Um, but, um, oh, dang it. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, oh uh, well, okay. uh, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, hey, hey, oh gosh, that wasn't even a pun. Um, uh, yes, so um, you might be thinking then, Speaking of Marvel properties, oh, I just watched Across the Spider Verse. I know, I know how to make sense of this. This is a multiverse. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I, I don't think that that fits quite right either, because, oh gosh. So there's like a concept. I don't know if it was uh, a a concept from Matsumoto himself. Uh, how he expressed it, or if this is applied by people studying his work, there's something called like the Ring of Time, and that it, it you kind of maybe think about it as actually more like a bunch of rings, sort of uh, like a bunch of orbits, orbital paths around a single planet, and all the characters and stories are on their own paths. And sometimes they intersect with each other and because they, and they know about each other, but events on uh, one path and another path are just not related at all, but it's not multiversal either. Uh, it's weird. I mean, maybe the best way you could think about it is just, there's no shared continuity at all. <laughs> and that might I, be I mean, the least confusing way to conceptualize it. Yeah. I'm going to throw out there now, like, my view on multiverses and all this sort of stuff is, in an ideal world, they would be used to te- they would be used in the same way as any other narrative tool, when appropriate, in order to tell the best story that one can do. And when it's not appropriate, you don't use them. Unfortunately, I think, in the modern, like, you know, pop culture, like, the idea of multiversal stories, like, seems to become, like, the new, like, big shit thing, because it's like... Oh, my like, God. Because it's made so much bank for Marvel specifically, yeah. but also because I think, I mean, like people enjoy team ups. People enjoy like characters from different things getting together for a little bit. They do, but I, I'm not going to. De- I'm not going to like put that down. But that's like you have to use it sparingly as a treat. You can't make it like the de- like the status quo, the de facto norm. Yeah. Otherwise, it just becomes dull real fast. Or you bake into the premise to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, say, the X-Men, for example, they were always a group of people working together until Wolverine came along and kind of took everyone's thunder. But that's <laughs> not their fault, really. Anyway, you you get my point. Like, I, I think that, like, when you see, like, I mean, we can start talking about things like the Dark Universe that Universal Studios are going to try and make. And then they released The Mummy, which was, well, both metaphorically and literally dead on arrival as far as a film was concerned. Um... And that put that to pasture, but they only came up with the idea of a dark universe because they saw Marvel were doing it, like, and it was making them a lot of money. They didn't do it for any good creative reason. 
So going back to your idea about Arcadia and My Youth, a film I've not seen nearly, if that's the separate continuity, but it tells a good story, I don't care. That's great. I love it. I love it for its good story. If it's good because it's got more diverse stuff in it, like uh, generally speaking, sure. If it's good and it doesn't have multiverse stuff, that's fine. Like you use it as a tool. Mm-hmm. You use it as you use it as a source, like you know something you apply uh, for the right occasions for the right reasons. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, it's it's just another literary device that uh, he it feels like he can use one way for his benefit in one work and another way in another, right? Like I think most of the time Captain Harlock is portrayed pretty much the same, except I'm aware that in one series, he's the villain uh, rather than a a protagonist or a, or a, or an ally. Um, Sometimes, you know, the, the battleship will look different (laughs) in some series uh but i th- and i think that that's more than an artistic choice that actually might be like a commercial issue like uh the the yamato people are like no you you can't you can't just use the yamato design here you got to do so your own shit um mm-hmm. but stuff like that you know like where it just doesn't fit as cleanly into some sort of continuity or or contiguous uh, it, it's not like a puzzle that neatly fits together. So I would just say, don't, don't give yourself a headache and try and try to do it. I mean, it can be yeah. fun. I, I know that, you know, a lot of people have, have tried to sort of make a timeline and, you know, maybe there's a sort of loose timeline that, that makes some kind of sense. But, um, like you, like you were, were intimating there, I think that's like less important than, yeah. uh, the point of view of Matsumoto and like the impact of, of each individual story. Yeah. So when's our when's our YouTube video of the Ladyverse explained? And it's just the thumbnail <laughs> is a uh, Charlie from a it's always sunny in Philadelphia in front of this conspiracy board, and it's just got Maytel on there and like Captain Harlock, all these little little pieces like a string between them. I, I hate to tell you, that? I've already seen. There's a there's a YouTube channel called Ladyverse, and it's not an I explained know. video, but it's a which Matsumoto should I watch first? And it's like has that thumbnail <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I hate it when I make a joke I, I hate it when I make a joke and it's, and, and, and it's true maybe that's just me being naive but like oh Christ yeah Um. so now we're going to shift and talk about some Rintaro uh, yeah Rintaro uh, someone who I feel like when I was first getting into anime fandom was kind of a divisive guy, but maybe now that he hasn't really made anything in like roughly 15 years, 10, 15 years. Um, I think he did make a short film this year uh, or it's, it's being released or something like that, uh, which is really neat. I think it has character designs by Katsuhiro Otomo of, of uh, Akira, but, um, yeah, he just went dormant for a while and maybe people in the fandom have had like an opportunity to like reappraise his body of work. And they're like, oh yeah, Rintaro, two thumbs up. But, but I remember some people just being like, man, you never know what you're going to get from this guy. <laughs> um, so he's the director of of this movie, 3-9. Uh, 
Um, he also directed the sequel, um, Adu. He, let's see, other other Matsumoto properties. Um, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, the TV show. Uh, he was a director for, I think, every episode. And that ran for a couple years in the late 70s. And, um, but, but he's, you know, done more than just team with, uh, with Matsumoto. Um, he has also done, let's see, he's directed, um, oh, there's a, an Astro Boy film called The Brave in Space. It's a very early directing credit of his. Um, directed, uh, The Dagger of Conway a film and he produced it. And that's a film we need to watch for this podcast because it is bananas. Like it is <laughs> in, in the best way. Like it is like, it's a ninja movie that is like, it's I've, I haven't really seen anything else that looks and sounds quite like that movie. Um, which is not to say it's the most advanced thing, but it's just so bespoke. Like the way it looks is, is incredibly unique and uh, it's a rad movie. Mark Twain shows up. In a ninja movie. As you, as you do, okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, he's also directed Harmageddon, uh, which is like... When, when I hover over Harmageddon, the link in Wikipedia is Genma Wars. I don't know if it's an adaptation of Genma Wars. I've never been brave enough to watch Harmageddon. I, I've heard that it. some people have really dunked on Harmageddon. I don't know. Um is Harmageddon the Western title for it? Because it feels like something that they just cooked up in five minutes. <laughs> it does. Uh, well, I guess it's Harmageddon colon Genma Wars. So I guess Genma Wars is the the IP, um, the manga, and the video game called Vega's Battle by Data East. Is it Genma Wars? Um, not going down this rabbit hole. Uh, X dash or no slash 1999 the film which is like one of the i haven't seen it in a long time but my feelings on it were that is one of like conceptually like one of the worst ideas ever like it's a beautiful movie it is stunningly animated very gory like would fit in in the oav sort of hall of fame um of decades prior it's a 1996 thing i guess they're still doing oivs that were gory at that time but anyway it tries to like cram the entire story of this like really long series into a movie and it's just it just is uh is too much and uh oh so. yeah, oh uh you, you mean that this is rintaro has had at least two occasions where he's tried to cram too much into a single movie hmm, yes. i'm sensing a trend here <laughs> um sounds familiar <laughs> Oh, he produced uh the the Time Stranger, uh Tokino Tabito, um which I think that's that's actually different than I was thinking. I thought that was the Time Etranja, which is a different thing. Anyway. Do you remember do you remember Shadan Reign the Conqueror? Like when that was like I King I shit of it. like Adult Swim, you know, like, oh my god, this new anime about Alexander the Great. And it looks like I, I, yeah, I know of it. It looks like uh, Aeon Flux, and it's, it's yeah. Rain the Conqueror, where where apparently Pyth- where apparently Pythagorean math can be used as assault as magic to like attack people. <laughs> oh my god! Isosceles Triangle. Ah, that's incredible. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, but this is like 
Plutarch like a main character or something. Or no, not Plutarch, I'm sorry, Ptolemy. He, he had, or, or Pythagoras. I don't know, old Greek mathematician Py- words. But P- P- Pythagoras is apparently a villain in it, apparently. Oh, I've only I've only seen bits of it from the first episode and it told me all I needed to know, and yet now I'm now you brought up, I'm slowly tempted to say we should go watch it so far. Even against my best judgment. I'm sure it's like oddly fascinating to to visit something like that now. Um that was in two thousand. The next year he directed a stone cold banger Metropolis. Ah, yeah, that one. That movie rules. That movie is fantastic. I love it to pieces. Um doomed megalopolis he wrote uh which is a thing he wrote the fourth episode and he was the chief director uh people people are fans of out there of doomed megalopolis i've never seen it um holy shit okay now i see why the man might have earned some ire oh boy he directed he directed um an anime that is just like it's not like offensively bad in the same way that like you know heinous shit like uh 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 the uh what's the slavery anime god damn it something shield hero. hero shield hero yes it's not it's not offensive in that way right uh yeah. but it is just so poorly done like and and just not, uh, final fantasy legend of the crystals um from 94 no good uh definitely something that i bought when i was a kid because it had the ff name on it and it is some trash <laughs> it's so bad uh, well it's it's fine i mean i like people would have complained at the time and then spirits Finn came out and they realized how much worse it could get when it came to a final fantasy brand mm, i guess that's true i don't know spirits within might be better really I'm just tell yeah it might it might be better really than the legend of the crystals legend of the crystals is is super bummer that's that is now i am morbidly fascinated <laughs> and, and curious the, the spirits flame was just really boring um among other things but legend oh oof man i've i don't know what happened to my vhs copies of that oh space captain harlock the endless odyssey i remember like People were were waiting for that. I feel like to get translated. Uh, that was a 2002 thing. See, L- Matsumoto Ladyverse stuff was still coming out in the in the aughts. Um, let's see. TV series wise, we talked about Harlock. I know there's there's I mean there's famous stuff, but like not stuff that people are gonna be like. Oh my god, you know he directed the pilot episode for Lupin the Eighth, a canceled TV series from 2012. Um. You know, there's stuff like Tiger Mask 2 and um, Diapolon and Jetter Mars, which are, you know, fun robot stuff. Um, Moomin and New Moomin. Uh, hey. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, ten episodes of Kimba the White Lion, uh, a.k.a. Jungle Emperor Leo. Uh, but yeah, Rentaro, someone who I think, like, you know, a prolific, but always, I think, trying stuff. Like, I think that was, uh, and that's probably why a lot of his, his work is so kind of divisive among people. And there's not a lot of universally acclaimed stuff, but like, yeah, I think it's cause he was always trying to push the envelope in some way visually or in terms of storytelling, uh, 
but you know he does have you know dagger of comley he's got these three nine movies he's got the harlock tv show that i think are all like two thumbs up absolutely these these are unequivocal successes and then you have uh, did I say Metropolis as well? Put Metropolis in there if I didn't. Yeah. Um, so more hits and misses then, I would say. Probably on balance. Um, and then, you know, Masako Nozawa is the voice of uh, Tetsuro. Is Tetsuro, right? Am I just it like... Is Tetsuro. Yeah, not, okay. not, t- not, not Tetsuro. Don't, don't no, get, no. Don't get him mixed up. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I mean... There's one Tetsuro who wants an artificial body and then doesn't get it because he realizes the value of humanity. And there's another Tetsuro who doesn't want an artificial body but gets one anyway and loses his sense of value of humanity. So you can see how it would be easy to get these two mixed up. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, this is this is Tetsuro uh, Hoshino. Um, and Masako Nozawa was uh, every male member of the Sun family in Dragon Ball. Slash Dragon Ball Z, slash Dragon Ball GT, slash Dragon Ball Super. Uh, slash Dragon Ball Z colon uh, Bardock. Um, and other probably future IP and properties. Um, and yeah. uh, I should shout out um, Marianne Hold, uh, who is a German actress who... Uh, Matsumoto uh, saw and was smitten with in his early 20s and she became the design, the the kind of inspiration for the uh, female character design uh, for the ladies in his shows. Um, And that's a whole, like, uh, I mean, I think think the character design is beautiful and iconic um, as, as evidenced by Maytel being such a known and beloved character. Um, but I think there's a conversation there potentially to be had, whether it's now or later, about, hey, man, why why all the women look this way? <laughs> why are they all exactly the same? <laughs> except, why except for their hair color. broken? <laughs> well, that's, that's fair. Uh, very, very uh, we, fair. We, 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 we can discuss that later, but I, I'd, I'd make an argument as well that, like, a lot of the male characters, depending on like this, their like general proportions, probably will say. I think it's more yeah. the face than anything. I wouldn't say it's the body necessarily. I'd say it's the face of the ladies the or the dudes. The the ladies more so than the dudes. I the dudes, I would the disagree. Dudes have a lot, I the think, dudes have a lot more like variety. They definitely, absolutely do. I think all the like the if you look at Maytel and Emeraldus and Queen Millennia and. I know from this movie, Shadow and Promethea and Claire. um, And uh, I'm blanking on her name because I haven't seen Yamato stuff in a while. But the the head lady, uh, the the on the the crew of the Yamato. um, And you're right to point out like, yeah, he's got a lot of sort of stock character designs for dudes. But the stable is much wider and broader in the dude character design department. Uh, oh, the guitar player, the, the guitar not, player I, I, in this movie also. <laughs> the lady who yeah. betrays Count Neca. Spoilers. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I, I think he's got a female character design 
for any lady of consequence. Um, and again, and it's a it's an awesome design. It's incredible. The lady from uh, Interstellar looks exactly the same. Oh, Stella, yeah, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, Stella, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. She literally is. What if Maytel was blue skinned and played the guitar? Yeah, boom. That's it. That's that. It. That is lit. That is literally it. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, like, it's a great design, as you say, and a, and for all that, like, you know, they look the same. There's also some good flexibility, like in how they look. Like Emeraldus and Maytel, like you know, they have like based the same facial structure and proportions, but like they come across as very different people. They could wear different outfits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mind so much. Oh I, yeah, no, I, I just this is not me dinging, dinging oh, no, the no, movie no, no, yeah. even necessarily. I mean, I just think it's sort of the interesting part of the his, the historical material reality of of the film and of Masmoda's work that like. There's really, there's really only room for one kind of of young woman, in uh, in his imaginary, uh, and it is a, a tall, beautiful, thin, uh, woman, uh, many times varying degrees of blonde. Uh, classy. That's the word I would use. What's that? Classy. Classy, indeed. Also classy at glassy. Yeah. Also. Uh, yeah, definitely class case. <laughs> um, or, or I guess unless you pass a certain age, because uh, what's his face's mom is an elderly lady in this, but it looks like if you had a flashback to when he was a little kid, she would look just like Tetsuro's mom <laughs> and Maytel <laughs> and all the others. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that actually, just, ma- that actually makes that makes the line that Tetsuro says when he meets Maytel, where he's like, "You look like my mother." I'm like, "That's every woman, kid." I know <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. So there's only one one room for one kind of young woman in his in his imaginary. But you know, it, it, this again, just something I wanted to acknowledge because, like, I'm going to talk a lot about how I feel like this movie is uh, incredibly progressive and left wing in a lot of its messaging and values. But I just want to be fair here and say, like, this this is also a thing. Like you said, product of its time, uh, product of its creator's uh, imaginations. Uh, who, yeah. Then they existed at a particular time and place in history. And so I just think, hey, uh, this is a thing that uh, that should be at least acknowledged here. Yeah, absolutely. Um Speaking of acknowledging, we need to talk about two of the other voice actors. Um, so the voice actor for Maytel, um, that is Masako Ikeda. And she has done a bunch of stuff. She mm-hmm. is the voice of the Ocho Fujin, uh, Reika Ryuzaki in Aim for the Ace. Yes. So oh I've, my I, gosh. I, yeah. So I've seen, a, I've seen a good chunk of Aim for the Ace. I've seen all of it, but I was like, oh, that's where that voice comes from. She's the narrator in Katana Gatari, if you've ever seen that. Um, a series we've also an atrocious car crash with ending. No, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that was harsh. That was harsh. Um, she also plays uh, Nodoka, Sotomi, and Ramba. And if you've played mm. any video games, uh, she's the voice of Hydaelyn in Final Fantasy fourteen. Your favorite. So yeah, there we go. Um, and then lastly, we also have uh, Makio Inoue, who is the voice of Captain Harlock. He mm-hmm. shows up in this film. Um, who. I'm just gonna say, manly. He he's the voice of Goemon Ishikawa in pretty much every Lupin series from <laughs> 1984 yeah. to 
well, uh, the two present. present. <laughs> yeah, he he passed away in 2019, unfortunately. But like, good grief, he basically did every single appearance of Goemon over like two and a half decades at the minimum, if not more than that. In fact, yeah, the the earliest one I can find is Lupin the Third Part Two, 1977. That's just in, yeah, that's just an animation. Oof. Like, holy shit. So, yeah, if you're wondering where those wonderful dulcet tones for Captain Harlock are coming from, that's where. Dul- dulcet they are. Dulcet they are. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Um, this is the highest grossing movie of any kind of that year in Japan. Hey. Uh, it, it, out, it outdrew, uh, well, maybe not outdrew. That's, that's not necessarily accurate, but gro- outgrossed uh, a, a little film. Uh, called The Castle of Cagliostro, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Hey-o! Bloody hell, Miyazaki. it beat that out! Yeah, and that was, of course, pre-Ghibli being a thing. Um, I think still they were... Though. That, that was part of... A, he was still part of a different outfit. But yeah, no, then that was... Uh, that, I mean, that's a... That's a, that's a looping property. So mm-hmm. that, that and that's a great... It's just that. a straight-up great movie that people remember very fondly, and for good reason. Uh, but yeah, uh, three nine uh, in Japan, uh, it fared fared better. People people love Galaxy Express. Fair enough. Then. Um, but yeah, good good all round cast. Like and um, for for the time, like I say, like the production value was pretty top notch on this film. So so they did a really good job. Like all told, it was, it was a great fucking movie, and uh, the the creatives really put a lot of heart and soul into it. I think. Hundred percent. Hmm. Right. Well, uh, we'll leave the creators in the rearview mirror, and we'll move on to doing a brief, brief plot summary. And when I say this, I've looked up the Wikipedia plot summary of this, and it's basically an essay. The the person who wrote that never met <laughs> no. a word count. They didn't think they could smash through. It is um, and massive. <laughs> yeah, and and in fairness, a lot does go on in this film. Like, do you remember when we talked about Megazone Part Two, and I I gave the summary for that. <laughs> And my summary was they went to a place and did a thing, and that was basically it. I remember um, that. The, I, I have the opposite problem here, because there's uh, there's so much to talk about. And I don't even necessarily want to s- tell all of it, because I don't want to give away like some of the stuff that goes on later on. Um, so just as your warning, this is still going to be relatively spoiler-free. We're going to talk about the opening premise of the film. We're going to move on to Discord questions and talking points. Once we leave this station, if you will, <laughs> you are in spoiler country. So beware. But anyway, uh, it is the future um, at an unspecified time, unless I'm misremembering here. And it's a curiously strange future. It's an amalgamation of things that do look fancy future, like all the big skylines with all like the multicolored lights. Very. Have you ever seen stuff like, say, Balloon Crisis, which which followed this and all that? And you've seen all the backgrounds in that, like all very like classic YouTube synthwave stuff. Like you know, you you know the aesthetic I'm talking about here. But of course. There are people living in absolute poverty at the bottom of the city, the levels of the city, the strass of the cities. Um, you know, there's a very, very strong scene of like us just panning out like from top down layer to the bottom. Um, and the narrator talks about uh, the Galaxy Express 999. And it is a train, but it is a future train. It is a magical train. It is a great train. Uh, it will. It can cross the stars, even though it looks like it's from the 1800s. Don't like, be deceived. 
Dot, Dot Brown's uh, tra time traveling uh, train. Let's say that quickly. From Back to the Future Three looks more advanced than this, and yet this is somehow this is the superior vehicle. But much as I kid, though, there's a there's a note made by the racer, if I recall correctly, that says that the Galaxy Nine 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 is an um, an opening to untold adventure and opportunity. Like people leave and are changed forever, or they don't ever return at all. Um, so. We have a character that we're introduced to fairly quickly named Tetsuro, who we've mentioned before. He is a very young boy, and he's running around with a bunch of ruffians and, you know, ragamuffins and all that. <laughs> and they are trying to steal from this rich couple, one of whom is literally a robot, um, a pass onto the Galaxy Express 999. And Maytel in a... Which... Oh, wait a minute. No, that's a different lady. Nope, that's not Maytel, that's someone else. But again, given, given, given what we said about everyone looking the same, you'd be forgiven. I kid, I kid, yes. Uh, yeah. A lovely lady in a red dress and her robot companion. Yep. Um, that She pays in cash for this? Because, again, classic sci-fi thing. We can imagine all this crazy technology, but we can't imagine basic stuff she like... Are you kidding? I've missed that. She doesn't use like some kind of card swipe or whatever? I'm, she has like a big bundle. She holds like oh my one hand underneath, one hand on top. Um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but she buys the, uh, the ticket and um, Tetsuro steals it with the help of his ragamuffin friends. Uh, and they are pursued by the police. And I have a point I want to make very quickly, which is that robots in Leiji Matsumoto's future are oh, shit. Oh my god! In, ter in terms of shit, in terms of like uh, what accuracy, <laughs> gunfire accuracy, very bad. The fact bad. that a twelve-year-old boy can like tackle one of them to the ground. I mean, they make it's the a robot. It's <laughs> they make the stormtroopers look like head of the class. Oh my god! Um. Yeah, like, it's it's funny because there is a theme, like, about, you know, the negatives of having a machine body that's very, like, textual. And then there's the joke text of a 12-year-old boy can literally rugby tackle a, a robot cop to the ground. Yes. yes. It's somehow, it's it's like, it's like Leiji Matsumoto's equivalent of Ed 209 from Robocop. It's just pathetic. <laughs> um, but anyway, a chase ensues. All sorts of wacky hijinks ensue. Um, Tetsuro ends up bumping into Maytel, although we don't know that at the time. Uh, this mysterious lady who's dressed almost entirely in black, like a little Russian, like Oshanka hat. It's no, Milia. Like, if you've seen Milia Rage from Guilty Gear, that's uh, like from her more recent redesigns, that is. That's her, or Colin from Street Fighter. Like, like I say, the, the long influence of Maytel's character design in ways just beyond like her face and all that, like, it, it reaches quite far in places you wouldn't expect. Bumps into her, and he is rescued by her um, from the cops. And it's at this point that Maytel uh, pulls out a device, like then this sort of like little compact thing, where she takes this little glowing pink square, presses it to Tetsuro's head, and we get his dream that he's having, although it's more his backstory um, in depression vision, because it's really sad and awful <laughs> what happens. <laughs> um, so Tetsuro and his mother, his father's out of the picture, but I have a fan theory about who his father <laughs> is. We'll, we'll save that for later. Okay. Um, they're, they're crossing a place that looks like, I'm going to assume, Alaska. Or some, yes. other, some other frigid shithole. Um, looks like the, and, it looks like the, the future from Chrono Trigger. It just 
Oh, oh shit, yes. Desolate waste <laughs> outside of like a dome, you know? It is after the year 1999. Oh, Lavos no. has uh, uh, done its thing. Damn. Um, so they're, they're trying to get to somewhere. And during this time, uh, his mother tells him the story of the Galaxy Express 999. Uh, and then she gets gunned down for sports yeah. by a fucking Mega Man villain knockoff, <laughs> Count Mecha. Count Mecha. At least Mecha. that's what he was in the... <laughs> and that's, uh, he has different names depending on the version you're watching, but that's what he was in mine. Me too. So yeah, this this, bar, this bargain basement Dr. Wily knockoff basically hunted them for sport. That's all he does. He hunts humans for sport that cross into his territory like they're wild boar or something. Um... And so Tetsuro swears revenge. Uh, oh, by the way, um, Count Mecha doesn't just kill um, humans. He takes them as trophies. And yeah. I'm not going to get in the summary to the point where that pays off, quote unquote. But wow, this this film, I will say, has some it has some stones to it with yeah. some of the stuff it wants to show off on occasion. Definitely. Like it's it's a, it, it gets pretty dark in places, and I was quite shocked yeah. by that. Yeah. Anyway, a, a couple, couple things. That. Couple things here. Uh, one, uh, younger Tetsuro bears a striking resemblance to a potato. <laughs> Just a little potato man with eyes that are very close together. Very silly. I I really like the matzo, you know, for all like uh the things you could say about the the homogeneity, the sameness of the female character designs. Um some of the little kids in particular. I, I like that not everyone has to like look cool <laughs> and sexy. You know, some of them, they're just some goofy looking kids, little goofballs yeah. running around he's, he's in a, the in the waist. Um, the other thing... He's a scruffy tater. Yes. Uh, the other thing is, um, so up to this point in the movie, what Maytel has done is uh, kidnap Tetsuro and spy on his dream. Little, little touch yeah. creepy? <laughs> just much? Yeah, creepy? yeah. That... The, yeah, Maytel's motivations uh, are not revealed at this point. And going into this blind as I did, um, I wasn't sure what to make of it either. Um, Their relationship very is very interesting, I'll say. Um, yeah, uh, right. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, no. um, so, um, Tetsuro wakes up and overhears a voice speaking to Maytel while she's in the shower. This, shockingly enough, did not... Like, as soon as this was happening, I was like, oh, no. Are we really doing this? Are we really fucking doing this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thankfully, it's handled extremely tastefully in a way that I was actually kind of taken aback by. But basically, Tetsuro, like, you know, overhears what he thinks is a voice talking to Maytel, saying, you must stay with the boy and look after him until the end. Dun-dun-dun. Um... So after, like, you know, she's gone dressed on, they have a discussion. And basically, Tetsuro's plan is to travel to the planet Andromeda and get himself a machine body so he can go kill the fuck out of Count Mecha. Simple as that. And Maytel suggests, okay, I will help you get there. I will give you a pass to the Galaxy 999 on the condition that you let me come with you. And... That is as much as I'm going to say for the plot <clears throat> summary, really. Mm. Because at that point, a lot of other things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd be here for a lot longer, and we don't have a huge amount of time to talk about uh, the plot versus the actual talking points here. Plus, 
that really is the opening premise that should have been on the Wikipedia summary, or at least some yeah. kind of version of that, where that's the inciting event. Or, well, the inciting event has happened in the past, but you get my point. Like, this, these two people, uh, through chance, have met, and now we're going to be led on a quest. And you can already see some of the ideas that are being set up here. Because, again, point being, Count Mecca, true to his name, is a robot, even though he rides on a horse. I don't know why. So but awesome. Anyway, that's not robot. <laughs> yeah, he still rides on a horse and shoots like a lever action rifle. I don't know why. But anyway, he is. Uh, My man can time travel, <laughs> and he rides a horse. And like you said, he, he has like a Winchester. <laughs> Got it. Time travel, it really is Chrono Trigger. Oh, it's true. Fuck. It's true. Fuck. But yeah, so he is like, you know, a mechanical person who has no feelings towards humans whatsoever. And Tetsuro thinks that what he needs to do is to also become a mechanical human in order to kill Count Mecha. Hmm, I wonder, might this be thematic groundwork mm, really? Yes, here? yes, mm, yes. He must mm, gain the power me... uh yes. of the oppressor. Uh yeah. of, of his mother's killer to overthrow. He's not even thinking about yeah. him as an oppressor at that point in the movie, but no, yeah, he must gain the power to to kill him. But uh be, will yeah. will he will his mindset evolve over the course of his sprawling journey? Uh only yeah. you, dear viewer, can find out. I mean, beware, um, how, how is it? Like, beware, um, you, you can fight monsters lest you become them, to paraphrase that. Right. Um, also, we, of course, have the setup of who is Maytel? What's she doing? What's her agenda here? Is she a friend or foe? Hmm. Does she ever get a little too warm in her, in her outfit? That question is never answered. Hmm. I, I don't think it's possible. I, I think that she, I think that she's just too otherworldly to feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the cold as we do i agree um I although agree. we we do later we do later learn apparently that the galaxy express 999 does not have working heating in it for some yes. stupid reason yes. well, they... <laughs> that, that was that was a very strange moment where like they're freezing on the coach and i'm like huh i love touches How does like this make that sense? yeah yeah like it's like uh, details like that that they lean into and then like just they go the total opposite way of, of ignoring all all other sort of observable phenomena when someone shoots through the window <laughs> what they in space <laughs> and everything's fine yeah <laughs> it's it rules that shit rules i, would, I won't apologize I, for I enjoying mean, that i i i mean i know that i know the movie's over long but like i think they if he, if it had followed regular space physics and that shooting that out of the wind shooting through the window caused Tetsuro to just be blown out in space and cut to credits it would have also been too short yeah so yeah anyway um but yeah that's as much as of the plot as i'm going to give because i think it's a perfect lead into you the uh the listener um deciding if you want to go watch it or not um because again to reiterate what me and doc have said this movie is really good it has its problems it has its problems of aging not so great in one or two mild respects some stuff that's questionable, particularly in the in the last quarter, and also just the pacing of the last quarter as well. But everything up until that point is solid twenty four karat gold, in my opinion. Yeah, I I also so, think you know we joked about some details, uh, and it's fun to joke about them. But I think that they don't really bother me because this movie's such a like fertile ground for interpretation. Uh, yeah, and. So much of it feels kind of allegorical or or not necessarily symbolic, but, but allegorical just because uh, there's something sort of ethereal and like 
in the mist, <laughs> sort of Im- imagination wise about about everything that's going on. Uh, so like, you know, if some if, if something happens like, uh, oh, my God, everyone would die in space from that. It's like, you know, don't don't sweat that. Like it's uh, it's supposed to be uh, it's supposed to be like a, a metaphor for a man taking decisive action or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I mean, this this film plays fast, fast and loose with a lot of stuff in a very playful way. So you should just take in that spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, this movie rules. Great entry point for mm-hmm. Matsumoto's work. Um, totally recommend uh, before we get into the spoiler territory. Yep. Um, and I'll tell you what, you can definitely tell this film is fantasy or sci-fi fantasy because if this were based in Britain... The Galaxy Express 999 would have a rail replacement bus instead. <laughs> Social services in Britain failing. From Social services? That's fucking Oh, that's just transportation. It. You're right. No, they did privatize yeah, it. You're, the, right, you're right, you're right, right. Yeah, and, they, and, then, and then like everything else happens when something gets privatized, it goes completely to shit. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, if, if this were the British version, if Galaxy Express 99 were adapted into, the, into a British setting... Tetsuro and uh, and Maytel wouldn't even board the train. They'd just be fighting with someone over the phone to get a refund on their ticket. <laughs> I'm not bitter, by the way. Say, he, I say as I realise that I now go to the centre of Manchester every week on a Wednesday to go to work now in my new job. And yet this week the trains aren't running, so I have to find another way to get there. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not bitter at all. That is... Galaxy Express 999 would sort me out in a pinch. If only you had Maytel like say, to guide fancy. you to work. She'd just tell me to get an Uber, to be fair. <laughs> Thus begins uh, the Sueys. It's a wonderful week around here, uh, and this is a loaded category. Stugatz and I will feel great shame. Here it is, the worst mistake from the last year. And now, the Suey nominees for worst mistake. Dan thinks a Bucks player from Delaware is foreign. <laughs> the Bucks deleted a tweet a couple of weeks ago because they've got uh, the the foreign player uh, Dante. I, I can't I pronounce think, his last name. I don't name. think he's a foreign player either. I can't pronounce Dante his... Divincenzo. Uh, excuse me, that's right. He white sounds Dante. He's, yes, white Dante. I, I don't think I he's, think he's from player. Indiana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> His name sounds foreign Nova? enough that I had not that I thought it was. <laughs> you foreign. thought he was like one of these swing guards from Italy. I thought he was like Luca. I am dying to know where Dante DiVincenzo comes from. He's from Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> He's a blue one. Dan forgets Miles Garrett is black. His helmet being removed. The first thing that happens there is, hey, human being in there. Now you hit him over the head with a helmet. Of course it's wrong, but I ask you to consider this because I didn't say anything about white, black, or race. But let it be a black guy doing it to a white guy and have the white guy not have his helmet on and see if the language doesn't get escalated to a really uncomfortable, loud place. I'm not the uh, the brightest star in the sky, but wasn't it a black guy doing it to a white guy? Dan reads an inappropriate Twitter handle by mistake. Oh, no. This is... What's happened with Aaron Rodgers? The defense gave up 45 points. The defense gave up 44 points. The defense gave up 37 points. And the other three losses, he led a game-tying drive and never got the ball back. This is from Barry McCoy. Um, never got the ball 
again. No, that can't be. I dumped it. It's impossible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you just fell for something. Good call, man. The stats are right, though. The stats are right. I, I can't trust are anything. You, are you sure? I mean, the stats are right. Yes. Name, I are they? I trust Dan that the stats are right. That that name is not real. The stats are right. Uh, my bad. My bad. I didn't see it. My bad. Okay. I got. Right. I, I wanted to give credit to the. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to give credit. To, that was an innocent mistake. I mean, you could be ashamed all you want. It was an innocent mistake. Dan messes up Chris the Bear Felica's name. Chris Felica says on Twitter, in its bowl game, Alabama will play its 167th game. Since the start of 2008. It's Felica. He made him a penis. Didn't play a ton of games while I was out. Found myself getting roped into learning how to play Blitzball in Final Fantasy X. Which I... It's okay. So... What, what the fuck? <laughs> when people say that Final Fantasy... Okay. God damn it. What the fuck is wrong with... Okay. Why would you... <laughs> Why would you say, hey, role-playing game developers, why don't you make a sports game for, like, a throwaway mini-game in your fucking bullshit RPG? But it's a crazy fantasy sport. Oh, my fucking God. It's not that, that thing bad. is Wait, fucking garbage. Are you going to defend it? Blitzball is mean, a great. huge piece of shit. I, like, voluntarily went and played Blitzball games beyond the stuff you had to do. I mean, I know people who say that the Blitzball was kind of the main reason that they played that game. It's fucking garbage. What is? I don't know what it is. I never uh, you, played it. I played it exactly <laughs> as much as the game made me play it, which is about five I, I minutes. I went through the entire tutorial going like, well, I want to win this Blitzball match, Blitzball match because that's what I've been called into action here to do. Uh, and what the fuck? Like, the rules are arcane, and they, they lie about it. What? They don't behave by their... They don't pay it. Like, there are passes and shots that I should have made that did not go. I can't remember. Does it give you a percentage? No, like it's just like down. it's it's all fucking math because that's what's cool about sports games: subtracting numbers from other numbers. Uh, oh yeah, and you have to go through things like, okay, well, this guy's in front of me, and he's got a block stat of two, and then the goalie has a block shot of eight, and then my shoot is only six, so there's no way this can go. So I'm basically fucked. There's no way out of this because all the numbers are against me. Oh yeah, look, I'm fucked. Like, you go look online of people going, you know, like, you know, hey, how do you beat Blitzball? It's like, just go hide behind the goal. The AI can't handle it. Let's move on then, if you're good with this stuff, to Discord questions. So we're uh, we're taking off the the spoiler gloves for this, right? Is that correct? Yep. We have left the non-spoiler station. Now we are en route through Spoiler Town, Spoiler City, Spoilerville. Um, So in case you're curious, though, we do have a Discord. You can join it. And the best way to do that is just to send us a little, you know, little tip of, uh, of your own, like a little little bit of money here and there, so it's through Ko-Fi, so that's uh, ko-fi.com forward slash Wari Desho. 
Get yourself on there. Just chip us, like, say, a quid or two. Help pay for my crippling alcohol addiction. And you, too, can join us on Discord to shoot the breeze about Galaxy Express 999, currently airing anime, all sorts of real-world stuff, art, memes, you name it. We have a good little community here, and you're more than welcome to join it for the low, low price of one pint of Foster's for me. Join it. Don't don't be don't be is. don't be foolish. You, you know you know you yeah. want to. You know you've been listening to this podcast for three or four years. Hell, maybe you've been listening to it for seven years. Like ah. it's it's and and you haven't you haven't gotten on board. Come on, you know that. Do you know like it's our community. It's us. If you enjoy listening to us, you know have it out for a couple hours once or twice a month. Pony, it's time. All right, it's time to support Shadon in his hour of need. Pony up the dough, and uh, yep. and then you can get on the Discord, get involved. Heck, you give me enough money for a bottle of White Lightning, I'll settle for that as well. You can join us then. Bingo. Or am I really that desperate? I'm not sure. Hmm. You can sail the Sea of Stars metaphorically with us on the Good Ship Discord. Hell yeah! Right. Well, on that note, then let's move on to Discord questions. We have a pair of them this week from. Uh, I'm a man who actually is probably a space pirate. Yes. Never mind Captain Harlock. Uh, this comes from Bracken. Uh, the first one, I'm going to just peel away the Discord's uh, spoiler tags here. I thought it was a nice surprise to see an established classic character like Captain Harlock appear in this film, despite not being part of the main cast. What notable anime characters would you like to see have a guest or supporting role in a film or series set in their universe? Oh, oh boy. Uh, well, my immediate answer to this is, and this is something I thought was going to happen in the actual show, I wanted to see the return of Ranka to um, <laughs> Macross in Macross Delta as a cameo. <laughs> that would be or a sick. guest appearance. That would be so sick. Yes. Because that is a shared continuity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they do, like, each series takes place, what, like 10, 15 years after the previous something? So Ranka would still be around and she could have, like, a heart to heart with Freya. Like, it's entirely self-indulgent stuff on my part, and I admit that there is a compelling reason not to bring her back because it feels like it overshadows like what the current cast doing. There is a perk sometimes to keeping these things separate when people start comparing like old teams versus new teams and all that sort of stuff. But that's something I really thought would happen. I mean, in Delta, like they keep mentioning Miss M uh, repeatedly, which turns out to actually be Lin Min May, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. That I that I found fucking unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, so I, I actually thought Miss M was going to be Ranker somehow, um, but no, she didn't come back. It's a shame that, but anyway, that's my immediate example that crops to mind thinking of that. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, in some sense, I've already been served because, you know, Inferno Cop is in other trigger properties. So <laughs> I feel like... Every, That's a great answer. Every trigger property should should uh, do either Inferno Cop or Over Justice from Space Patrol Luduko, uh, or both. Uh, just just get them in there. Uh, but they're either are they gonna do? Are they gonna reboot Panty and Socking? Put put them in there. Put them put Over Justice and Inferno Cop in there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Put them, put them everywhere. Uh, lo- love those two; they're incredible. Speaking of um, speaking of trigger properties and uh, 
bringing in characters though don't forget the grid uh the gridman universe film is due out sometime soon yes yes put over justice mm-hmm. man still one of the like <laughs> one of my favorite moments in, in an anime just as a moment uh so you haven't seen space patrol luduko and uh uh fast forward a few seconds if you don't want to hear the spoiler but so over justice uh is drawn sitting down in every scene he's just behind a desk he's like a sunglasses wearing flaming skull that sits behind a desk uh and then at the end when it's time to to fucking go uh he stands up and it's great they draw him standing up. And it rules. <laughs> it made me so happy. Finally stands up. Yes. <laughs> After like <laughs> 10 episodes, great. he stands up. It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Walking. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question two from Rackham. As a number of older anime have either been getting remakes or new adaptions, could you see any benefit of this film and its source material being adapted into a new series? Ooh. So, hasn't there been a more recent version of this of some sort? I feel like I've seen something out there that suggests like that this has been adapted more recently. Um, not that I'm not going to answer Rackham's question, of course, by just literally pointing to an, my anime list article. But <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm sure something more recent has come out. Let me have a nosy. Uh, so we got, you know, there's a sort of newish manga of Captain Harlock to mm. celebrate its 60th anniversary. Um, and their, what is it? The dimensional voyage, I think something like that. Um, I remember, yeah. uh, the anime Ozma that, uh, from like 10 years ago at this point that nobody except for me enjoyed. I really liked it. I forgot that was a lady work that I, I think that's a cool little anime and, uh, people were probably mm. expecting a bit much from it. Yeah. Looking at the Wikipedia, apparently there was an OVA series, like the most recent one that draws on Galaxy Express 999's material in general, was in um, December two- 2006. Galaxy Railway's yep. Letter from the Abandoned Planet. Well, and that's a TV Nothing show. More, that? That's a TV show that started in like 2002 um, and ran, mm. it ran for, for a bit. Like it had a, a, at least a couple of seasons. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but, but yeah, that was yeah. a more modern take on on galaxy express with like concept i if i recall correctly also some sort of yamato elements kind of thrown in there yeah Ooh, i i'm not entirely sure how to feel about answering this because on the one hand we talked before about this being a product of its time and I feel like if you were to bring it into the modern era, you'd need to revise those. I'm mean, not talking about the racial profiles. So I'm talking about some of the cultural, like, and s- social elements and some of the social commentary. Um, so there's that. But then if you take that away, does it really remain Galaxy Express 999? Uh, and then I'm thinking, like, who you'd want to do the animation? Because, like, this, this, the look of this film is so distinctive. Like, I feel if you brought it into the modern era you'd really have to get someone to either basically replicate it wholesale or do a very specific style of it. I, I'm, mm. Yeah, that's really, it's it's so hard because I'm, I'm torn. Like, you know, I'm not a, a kind of person who bristles at the idea of, of remakes or new artists reimagining, you know, works of the past um, to update them culturally or just put their own spin on them. I think that stuff is cool. Um, but yeah, part of me is just like the Legiverse is done now that 
Matsumoto is no longer with us. Like that. that yeah, that's also that's an excellent point as well. The, the, what would the, his wishes be? Yeah, yeah. like because that he's got I don't know just all these characters and stories that that are all floating around and just to add that like the authorship of someone else into it would feel weird. But I guess you could just say, hey, like we're closing the book on the Lagiverse proper and now we're going to reboot the whole thing and try to like do our own kind of continuity. I mean, I think maybe if they approached it and like, and, and you know, had a different, uh, maybe they have the same approach to continuity or maybe they have a different one and it's more sort of fits together like a puzzle. I don't know. Um, then you could do it again yeah. as, as long as like they make that hard line. I think of like, you know, the works of Matsumoto are what they are and we're not trying to add to that catalog or corpus. Like we're just, this is a new, a totally new thing. Yeah. And I think also like, I think the material here probably wouldn't appeal to the target audience the material was for. Like, mm. the, like the equivalent audience back in the day. Like, well, because it was aimed at boys, I'm assuming. Like, yeah. probably beats of Tetsuro's uh-huh. age. But boys of Tetsuro's age these days won't find this interesting in the same way they would have back then. Because science fiction was not as mature, like, especially in Japan, was not as mature a, like, medium back then. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't as well trod as it is these days. So it might seem like a bit old hat, no pun intended, given what Marcel wears. <laughs> I, I, I mean, from for me, if you did that thing where you made it a serialized show where a different person gets on the Galaxy Express nine 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 at maybe different oh. stations and places, yeah, every week, and they go on their own little story, and Marcel's involved but remains enigmatic and mysterious, I'd be all over that. You could use that to do tons of great stories, like in one shots. Or but or what if I don't you? Know if, oh, sorry, you go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know if that'd be in keeping with what the show is about, or like the best way of doing it. It's very much what I would like, and I don't know if that's the same. I was like, I'm not sure. What if you treated it like either Space Dandy, where mm. it's a TV series and just a different team kind of does each episode, or we had like an anthology film series, like the Animatrix or something where it's a bunch of, you know, short films or, you know, vignette type things. Uh, Yeah, yeah. They're all about 3.9. And they can just be these totally different art styles and it doesn't matter so much. I think that could work really well. Yeah. I I think, I wouldn't say it was impossible to redo it in the modern era, but I'd say you'd have to be very specific and very careful with what you're doing with it, both from the look and the actual content that's being covered here. Man, yeah. Um, You bring up a really good point about the demo because... You know, in the in the 70s, these were, were boys' comics. But now it feels like if they were going to do it, they would be more of a nostalgia IP thing and target the, the older crowd. And so you would... Maybe, maybe you'd have a different set of concerns. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I mean, a crass person would turn Maytel into a member of the League <laughs> Protectors harem, because that seems to be the go-to stuff today. So you know the challenges that we're working with here. Oh no, and I, um, a fucking isekai. Like, I hit my head and woke up on a train that went through space. A light novel mm-hmm. adaptation, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I was such a loser, yeah. and now I hang out with a hot babe on a, on a, you know, 1800s looking train <laughs> maybe it's not that old looking yeah you know what i mean this russian sugar mommy like her line of credit doesn't stop 
Who knows? I just, I yeah, yeah. There's probably, I think, there's probably more reasons not to bring it into the modern era than there is to do mm. so, which is a shame because I do think there's a timeless quality to what the work is about, but I think also that, unfortunately, uh, people have moved on and times have changed at the, by uh, in the same vein. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides. Besides, this is still available. Like this yep. material, like this, all this stuff's still out there if you want to look hard for it. And yeah, you can always just revisit it. Thankfully, and I and I think as well, like the way the film ends, I think also really does feel like it's also self-contained. Like, I mentioned, like it could be used as an intro to the wider works of Gal- in Galaxy Express Nine Nine Nine. But for me, like it felt like such a wonderful self-contained story. And it left the door open for follow-ups. And indeed, there is a follow-up. Like, but I mean, also just like, the again, the concepts I mentioned where other people mean they tell and they have different things going on with them. And I just, oh, I fucking love, like, the lack of mental pressure if you pick up another Masamoto piece in a couple years. You don't have to be like, oh my god, what happened in 3-9 the movie? It's like, as long as you sort of have a, a hazy idea of, like, who the people are and the setting you're good again because like that it there's not that like hard line continuity that would millstone you know other contemporary ip like the universal century of mobile suit gundam mm-hmm. yeah uh so my answer to that in the end is i'm gonna say begrudgingly no because while if it, if the question was if it was made just for me and I got to like, like specify some things I'd like to see. Absolutely. But otherwise I don't think so. No, not, not with modern sensibilities. I think it would just lose a lot of its charm and magic. Mm, mm. Totally fair. Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of science fantasy being made right now. Maybe there is. And I'm just not, not thinking about it too much. Because like I said, I haven't really been watching a lot of contemporary anime though. I think it, I think you might have more luck uh, remaking something like Captain Harlock. Uh, oh, you know, easily, yeah. Where you can have yeah, you, hot-blooded, you... stoic male and then have everyone else play off of him. Yeah, I, I think I think Harlock would be a much easier sell because I feel like Galaxy Express 999 is, is while it is an adventure film, it's also, and this is not to put down Captain Harlock, either the character or the concepts, but it feels a lot more meditative as well. Like it's got ideas swimming under the surface. And again, not saying that will be the case with Caps Heart, but like it feels more you. apparent here. <laughs> more apparent here yeah. than in other stuff. So yeah. I it, think you, I think you're right, Harlock. So j- just Harlock to stick just to stick up for Harlock a little bit. I mean, I think like there's a sort of uh very gar kind of image of uh of Harlock, but I think uh, I, I I would say for the Matsumoto anime work that I'm familiar with, including, you know, the Harlock TV and some of the movies and stuff. Um, there's, there's more in common tonally with three nine than you might think. There's that sense of melancholy that, that sort of, they both share, I think. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. I think that brings us to the end of our Discord questions, though, unless we have anything else to add. I think that's it. You know, I mean, there were some people on Twitter, you know, I've already talked about Ota King and, uh, and Mad Al, but, you know, also uh, 
Larry underscore who is definitely looking forward to the episode. We we heard from Danny of Anime is Lit. Uh, he's also hey. looking forward to the good friend of the pod, Danny. Um, he's also looking forward to the episode. So I hope that up to this point and going forward, uh, we we deliver on your on your hype on your hopes. Hey, I got to make a real replacement bus joke. That should keep people happy. <laughs> That's um, very good, right? Well, on that note, then, um, shall we move on to the deep spoiler territory? We're in the we're in the deep spoiler wilderness here now, Let's and go. going to our talking points. All right, I'm going to get this out of the way because I want to spend the remainder of the podcast after this talking point talking about things I liked. Let's talk about the final thirty minutes. And just okay, get it yeah, let's talk about the the final act, the the planet okay, Maytel so, business. So, context. Um, Tetsuro does end up killing Count Mecha. And that actually was quite shocking and yeah. refreshing, funnily enough. Because I would have thought this... I, I thought, like, the way this story was going to go was that Tetsuro was going to learn a lesson that revenge gets you nothing. But no, he gets his revenge and no one calls him out on it and he doesn't feel bad for it as a result. And given everything we learn about Count Mecha, I think he fucking deserved it. Like, he was killing... Oh my like, god. He was leaving thousands of people as orphans. Yes. Like... That man, like, I, I don't know, like, we could we could have this discussion about, like, whether it's, to, it's right to kill someone or not, like, and whether or not we consider Count Mecca, like, a living being and all that. I'm not really going to litigate that. <laughs> Insofar as I'm concerned, though, I was, yeah. I was refreshed by the fact that the film was very clear on Tetsuro killed him, that's a good thing, this was a bad man, and he deserved to die. Okay, cool. Yes. So, after that, though... And then, the time that, castle, like slowly turns to rust and all the mechanical bodies in it that uh should have been like aged and rusted away because they've been traveling through time and are have magic of a time witch to help that they all start to crumble and Tetsuro has to run out it reminded me of i think it's uten of the movie the escape scene from from there where just these big monuments yeah. are crumbling around and, and they're escaping from like a, just a, a big thing. It's so cool. I love that scene. Yeah. So after that though, like they, there's a discussion where Tetsuro like basically has an epiphany of sorts and realizes that machine bodies, getting your body replaced with a machine, which is what he originally planned to do is what's um, like causing people to lose their humanity and causing them to become like Count Mecha, whether in small ways, or like with, do you remember the uh, opening scene with that lady and the robot guy? Like, I think that the film was very subtle about this, but really handled it well. Where because we see like all the robot people like living in wealth, mm-hmm. like it, and then they don't, and like living on the top strata like of society, that we then see like all the people in the deep, and it, and it clear, it seems clear, like just for that implication that they, the robot people don't care about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think she, it, it, one of the two, even says like, ugh people can't afford tickets, you know, like disdaining yeah. the regular people. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the there's the very overt cartoon villainy almost of Count Mecha, but then there's also <laughs> that going. So Tetsuro decides, okay, I need to go to the planet where the body parts are made and destroy it. Which I mean he's already accomplished a lot, to be fair, but I feel like he's he's going, you know, he's reaching a bit there. Um and well, the film doesn't give two fucks whether or not he's reaching or not because uh, he goes there with Maytel in the Galaxy Express 999. She betrays him, sort of, 
and says, right, he has courage and and fearlessness. We're going to use him as a living bolt as part of our planet. <laughs> a bolt. And, <laughs> I don't want and, to be a bolt. <laughs> That's an actual and, line. I love it so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to warn you, would-be listener right now, everything I'm going to say sounds like I'm mad-libbing it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm making up as I go along. Yeah. And I, I promise you I'm not, and I'm going to try not to be too snarky, but some of that just can't be avoided. So it also turns out that, like, yes, this is Planet Maytel, and so Tetsuro puts two and two together. He's like, wait, why, why is that name there? Then he gets, of course, captured. And we find out that the ruler of this planet, Queen Promethea, is Maytel's mother. Mm-hmm. She also looks like she's a boss from a Final looks Fantasy Pixel game. goddamn cool. Just dead cool. Like, so awesome that her, the inside of her cloak is just, like, space. <laughs> it looks amazing. You can't see a, her no, torso or legs. It's just like she got the head and the cloak. You can see her hands and then space. <laughs> so awesome. You no, know, actually, I've just real. I've just realized she's not Final Fantasy boss. She's a Fantasy Star Four boss. Mm. There we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of like stuff starts being said and all that. But do you remember the voice I mentioned before that was talking to Maytel, instructing her to look after Tetsuro? Turns out that this voice is on an amulet and it's her father, with Queen Prefu being her mother, because of course. Um, And if she throws this amulet into the core of the planet, it will blow up the planet. And again, I promise you I'm not making this up. And if you're thinking, well, hold on, you've you've very heavily abridged this, Shads. Like, did she bring up the fact this was any of this mentioned before or foreshadowed in any way? The answer to that is no. <laughs> no, no, no. It didn't happen. No. And, I mean, and we so, saw, we we heard him talking. We, we was like, well, who's Maytel talking to? Oh, I thought you were talking to someone. We we hear the conversation, well, right? but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't <laughs> foreshadow it's, what it's, what the the insanity that ensues of like you know he's yeah, a bomb. That, oh, I, I <laughs> just a computer have, bomb. It, yeah, it turns that will blow up the entire planet. I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> I, I was guess. made for this um, moment. Like <laughs> you have put in, you, I've been ensouled in this amulet. My my spirit is in here. Yeah, just so I could yeah. be the bomb um, that ends you, my ex wife. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Um, while this is happening, Harlock and Emeraldus turn yeah. up and start blowing up stuff on the planet. Hell yeah. And, and Emeraldus, I'm going to point out now. We haven't mentioned this. She has a, a rapier gun, uh, which rules. Oh, she does, yeah. <laughs> so good. And I have to say, though, um, what do they ultimately contribute? Mm. They blow up some stuff and it looks cool, but. They don't actually, because you'd think the answer would be, uh, oh, uh, Maytel and Tetsuro escape on either Harlock or Emeraldus' ship. But no, they just leave on the Galaxy Express while the whole place literally comes apart because it's made entirely out of Kinects and Lego bricks, apparently. Um, So, I I guess you could say, like, they threw the planet into chaos or distracted (sighs) the military branch. I mean, you could, like, you know, put stuff on there, but it doesn't really, you know... It's, it's not thin. like explicit thin, yeah. <laughs> how, what they actually did, other than being cool as yeah. shit. Uh, and Harlock yeah. is like so, standing. So... He's not just like inside the Arcadia, dudes. He's on the fucking roof with the ye old captain's yeah. steering wheel exposed to fire. He, like a bullet cuts his cheek or some kind of shrapnel. And he's just like, ha ha, I've got a new scar. Hell yeah. 
and he's just being manly he's as hell. It. He's lo- he's loving it. It was great. It was a great scene. It's just I was like, why is this happening? But uh, then again, maybe that's all the reason we needed. Yeah. Really, yeah. There's a um, great tribute. So okay, like there's uh callback shots of that like a plenty in Gurren Lagann. Uh, Simon like is a huge like adult Simon sends up Captain Harlock rather often. Hmm. Nice. Um. So Maytel and Tetsuro get to the Galaxy Express nine nine nine, and it sets off. But Queen Pr- Prefia is not just a robot, but like she really is a Final Fantasy boss. She's like a spirit of darkness yes. or something. Yep. Space um, fantasy, science mark? fantasy, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> um, and she starts like literally leeching the the heat out of poor Tetsuro. And it rules. Him. I'm and sorry. This. The fact that it's not like that she's not just a robot, that she is like some sort of eldritch being, you know, that recognizes everybody else. I love it. Unapologetically. It's great. I mean, she's more, I mean, at this point, I felt like the only person who could have stopped her would have been Usagi Tsukino, but well, anyway, I guess he wasn't available. No. She's off signed off her own shit. Um, but like Claire, and just, just in case you missed it, Claire is she's a waitress on the on the train yes. who's made of crystal mm-hmm. turns up behind her grabs queen promethea and through the power of <laughs> love i guess because she loves tetsuro because he was nice to yeah. her and probably because he tips well um <laughs> like um she blows up and queen promethea has gone and like okay and then at the end beta like lets Setsuro off back at earth and says like i well I'm sorry for everything that happened. I've got to go now and get a new body and have yeah. a new identity. Gotta, gotta go get that. my OG body. Uh, when we, yeah, yeah. When we meet again, we'll be. I, you won't remember me, and like just <laughs> keep your memories out. <laughs> and she kisses him, which is like, and she's in love she with is. him. And I'm like, what? which is like, you know, she. What is preventing her from going up to him and being like, "Hey, Tetsuro, I'm Maytel, and I'm in a new <laughs> new body." You know what I mean? She's. It's like. We'll never see each other. Like when I come back, you won't know what I look like, and I won't I, be I, able to do anything I, about it. <laughs> and we just will never talk. I do have, I do have a theory on that, which is we we had. A, I think you mentioned something in the Discord about like who inspired Maytel's appearance. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I talked but about that earlier. Marianne Hold, yes, yeah, that's that's the lady. Yes, but I wanted to mention like what Maytel represents, and I think. The idea is that she's meant to be, and this ties in with why I think you would work real well if you had to serialize those, like just this rather mysterious but enchanting person who just comes into your life ever so briefly through the happenstance of being on a passenger train and upends it and like leaves you a changed person, like leaves a strong impression on you and you never see them again. That's absolutely right. I mean, that's totally the way to read it. I'm just being silly. But but yes, you're 100% (laughs) right in that like that's... That's what's happening. Yeah, and I think part of the problem might be that the film's trying to over-explain itself there uh-huh. at the end, and that's why uh-huh. that I feel that that feels obfuscated. Um, because I think that's a perfect thing. Like, I I, I have to wonder if Lady Matsumoto like ever actually had an experience with such a person, not not in the same exact events, of course, as the film, but someone that left such a striking impression on just for a chance encounter, maybe when he was very young. Um, yeah, what is she, what is? Uh... Yeah, par- uh, she says something, right? That like, uh, 
keep your memories of me locks in your shonen heart yeah she'll be uh, a, a phantom yeah, of his youthful heart right she's like gonna be uh this ideal that he carries around with him uh as a like a uh, an important piece of uh the memory of his journey into into adulthood into manhood specifically manhood not adulthood i should say yeah yeah um also as i say just like i can't gloss this over maytel kisses him on the lips and says she loves him like He's ten. Is he ten? Is he? Is is he? Not that it makes he's, it better if he was thirteen. He's, he's, but like, no, you know. no, he's whatever age he is, he's in yeah. that age range where it's bad. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck oh. is this? I mean, also just to put this in, just to put this in further context, it turns out that Maytel's current body in this film, even though she looks the same in all the other incarnations she's in in the other series, anyway, whatever. Um, she is like basically a clone of his mother. She is. And she's so just put these two things and together. She, and in she's your head. in love with him, and, and um, you could pretty easily, I think, say like that the her, her love for Tetsuro was her love was bent toward Tetsuro, uh, due due to the fact that that she that her body is his mom's. <laughs> and so yes, this movie is edible as shit. Why did she kiss him on the lips? <laughs> it just is. Yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. And this and again, everything I've just relayed off to you that I've just wheeled off like I'm just babbling incoherence in the streets like for a megaphone that all happens in the last 30 minutes and and notwithstanding no i was gonna say like you know this is a this is not you know an isolated sort of thing like there is very much uh this kind of thing that happens in the end of evangelion also when like uh an older an older female mentor figure like you know uh, you know, gives a, a long, back, Shinji, we'll do a long the- kiss to Shinji on the <laughs> when lips, you- and when she knows, like, okay, we this is our final parting, and like I care about you, and I'm about to go to my death, and I've taught you all the things I'm going to teach you. So here's a big smackaroo, right on the kisser. Doesn't doesn't she also say something to the effects of uh, when you get back, we'll do all the adult stuff? Oh, <laughs> like, she might. It's been a while, but I think she might. Yes. I might be I might be wrong on that. I want to be wrong on that. But I, I, I if that's the case, like I'm just gonna in, immensely insert in my head that she was thinking of something really stupid, like a wine Shinji tasting a party. I don't fucking <laughs> yeah. know. Wine tasting. Listen to listen to smooth jazz <laughs> and watch a watch a black and white movie. <laughs> He's just there having a hookah pipe or something. Yeah, I don't do taxes know. together. Uh. <laughs> <All stuff. laughs> yeah. Oh fucking hell! But anyway, yeah, like not that bit in Galaxy Express Nine Nine where Mattel does that. Notwithstanding everything that happens in the last half an hour, I think like if you took it and made it its own movie mm-hmm. and stretched it out and really took the time to explore it and all of its implications, just get everything, give everything room to breathe. Because beyond all the insanity and stuff, it's super fast paced. Like I was just like, what? What? Huh? What? What? Like, give everything time to breathe. Flesh out the ideas you come up with now, because simply taking out Count Mecca, like, he's just a dude. He's a symptom of a wider problem, which is the loss of humanity when people literally go cold and metal. I think that's a great follow-up question. Like, do you remember remember Castlevania, the the TV show? I can't say the... Yes, yes, I remember Castlevania. 
<laughs> yeah. So people didn't like season three, generally speaking, and it has its flaws for sure. But I actually like the core idea of it because I think it's very similar to this sort of thing, which is, okay, we took out Dracula, but evil still exists mm-hmm. in the world. And how do we cope with knowing that? We can't simply just take out all the big bads. There's something deeper that needs to be absolutely. dealt with. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is part... I think that's a part, part of why I... Um, that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, and And I mean, I... Yes, I hear you. I am 100% on board in terms of like... It would be a more coherent narrative and second film if it was its own film. Uh... But man, I I can't deny to me that I like the fact that it doesn't simply end on taking out a, a big bad like an individual who's corrupt, but like it it does take the next step in the same piece of art, in the same movie that's part of the same experience that like like you said, he's a symptom. Uh He's and there's an institutional sort of structural force that you know there's going to be another hundred count mechas potentially if nothing is done to stop that structural level uh, influence and like I love that they do it but like you but it gets messy. Something that needs to be mentioned about Count Mecca as well is, like, this is all, again, by implication, but it's not merely that he has a robot body. He's also clearly very, very wealthy. That, that Yeah, so not every put- robot body is alike in this movie. There are, like, you know, Tetsuro is going to get conscripted to be a bolt in the planet. Like, if you get a free body, it's you are forced to serve and do whatever the planet needs and wants. If you buy your body like Count Mecca or a lot of these other people have done, then you can kind of freely live your life. And then they could, they put your body under a big sheet of ice on Pluto, your physical body. If you ever want to go back to it, which is like fascinating. (laughs) Oh, that we're going to talk about Pluto in a minute. That's my Um, my favorite part of the movie. Like, look, I, I know I've just talked a little bit, a lot even about like this, chunk of the movie that I feel could have been excised entirely or at the very least stretched out but take it from me I'm not being overly harsh I don't mean to be I'm fascinated by everything that's there like this film does not lack for imagination what it lacks for is either runtime mm. or restraint one mm-hmm. of the two mm-hmm. and I think that's totally yeah. fair that's a, a very very fair way to put it and the yeah and it's it's a long movie as is like it's two hours plus, and yeah. So, there's some meandering, you know, but when you're in when you're in the thick of it, it feels good, you know what I mean? Like uh, the stuff on Titan, you know, you might be like, ah, oh, that could be tightened up or whatever, but like that pays off later, and it's great. It's like another old man with bombs inside of him <laughs> that you get to meet beforehand, and like, uh, and he he, you know, they get the jump on Count Mecca like later because Count Mecca's laid the seeds of his own destruction in this orphanage. Like it rules. Uh, so, but, but I agree that like, um, it, it is really long. And like, if you try to watch it all in one go, like I definitely, I mean, I love the movie, but I took breaks. Um, it, it, it could be, I don't want to use the word slog, but like, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it's not an easy thing to watch the entire thing in one sitting for me. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't really have much else to add to that point other than just say, like, yeah, I think I think the uneven pacing also doesn't help either, like, because you just kind of laid back and then, oh my god, what the hell's all this stuff in the last quarter? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very <laughs> strange. It's, like, meditative for a, for a long time with, like, you know, punctuated action. Uh, but then, yeah, it just really goes pedal to the pedal to the Maytel in the last uh, <laughs> the last minutes. Nice, I, and I nice. forgot about it too. Um, I see this movie before, but I my memory of it because it had been a bunch of years is like the end is the crumbling castle, <laughs> but no, it, it's not with the time count. They it's like oh, that's right. There's more. <laughs> there's this yeah all um, this craziness can i i i also have one other complaint i need to get out there now because again i want to end my talking points on positives one of the things i think maysell says is that like when people take on mechanical bodies they lose like their sense of like humanity and their soul even a little bit and they become cold and, mm-hmm. and such um so we haven't mentioned another character who pops in here which is tochiro yeah um tochiro is a, a doughy potato chap who knows like at least someone who knows the location of the time castle who, so as part of his who also sorry who also is has got emeraldus like absolutely thirsty for him and he doesn't he's doing nothing about it he's like eff it i'm gonna sit in this cave i'm gonna be sick i'm gonna drink this purple alcohol and that's it. <laughs> like, dude. May, may, I mean, hey, maybe she's a fan of maybe she's a fan of starchy goodness. Who dude. knows? Um, like, but, that that but, is the most like anime has a lot of disproportionately hot couples. That might be like like that might be the most like this dude has like you know married up or or scored a, a GF who's out of his late in, in anime history. Yeah. So I. I need to point out though that um so we point that point in, in mind that people who get artificial bodies lose their spirit right. and their soul and they become inhuman. Tetsuro sorry, not Tetsuro, Tochiro dies but says, I will become part of like the spirit I will become part of like the machine that like my friend Captain Harlock has, and I will live forever with my soul with him. Does that not seem contradictory? Not to me because Count Mecca and all the people who are uh who who are like dehumanizing poor people uh are rich and they have bought their mechanical bodies. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we so we should probably so we should probably take the mechanical stuff more as more literal metaphor of wealth rather that's, than That's that's the way I read right. it. I mean because you also have the example of Claire who was forcibly put into a non-human body, but she seems to have retained like a spirit of kindness and warmth and generosity. So that's you know, true. I, I think it's um I would say the way I read it would be more to do, yeah, with uh, with things like wealth and, and vice so that like okay. put you at a distance from the rest. Wealth or like narcissism uh, that may have been caused by wealth or may be just there, you know, in the case of shadow, stuff like that. Yeah. Part of me then kind of would wonder if they've made more of it, if more could be made of that. 
because the machine body kind of thing is a sci-fi element here. And and I know, like, again, it's a metaphor, but you could have your cake and eat it by also literally being about some, like, people having machine bodies and what that means. And then there's granularity. So I don't know. It, it, it just struck me as, it struck me as like a, a something that was mildly like set against each other mm. rather than being something that was intended by the work as like a compare and contrast. But that could admittedly just be me and me being uncharitable. And that's what I tend to do, to be fair. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and there seems to also be, there's like a, I don't know. I don't know. And I could be projecting here like, there seems to also just be in terms of like world mechanics, some kind of qualitative difference in, in what's, okay. what's happening between the two, like the processes of like going into uh, your, your spirit. Cause your body's died going into a ship versus the other thing. But like, but again, I, I would not necessarily die on that hill. I would retreat to the whole wealth and, and other things, business, the, the vanity, the wealth, the narcissism, that kind of thing. Um, uh so yeah oh do you so, so any more on that point no i'm gonna leave okay. that so it's funny we just talked about um tanjiro is it tanjiro no totiro uh totiro dying because like i wanted to talk about that scene and this is gonna get real sappy but uh for people who have watched other Legiverse properties like he's you know he's the best friend of harlock in all the harlock's stuff um a lot of people Uh, a lot of people will argue that he's like kind of a self-insert of matsumoto in some ways oh and so this scene watching at this time has hit me totally differently than the first time i watched it right and it's like i'm watching it and Toshiro, it's like, you know, uh, I, I've been sick for a long time. Like, I know I'm going to pass on. I want to, like, pass on a, a, as I die my spirit into this thing that I've made that I love, the Arcadia. And it's like, holy shit, like, how poetic is this when thinking about, you know, it, it's like I could see, like, Matsumoto passing away but like his spirit lives on in the things that he's created for us like the media the the manga the anime like all these things and and in the influence that he has had directly and indirectly i mean like space battleship yamato man it's it's hard to quantify the influence that that immobile suit gundam like had on on uh on on anime like fans watchers creators uh like matsumoto was like part of this group of manga artists that were coming up after the war that like helped in their own way like get japan back on its feet economically because like that's when the comics po- uh, uh boom the real the popularization of manga you know started with that group of tezuka and Nagai, like you mentioned, and uh, Shotaro Ishinomori and Leiji Masamoto, Monkey Punch with Lupin. Um, all these guys, and they all knew each other and collaborated, and it's really cool. And, um, and yeah, and then you have things like the, the, the Yamato being so influential and like 
you know, his work's just sort of reverberating through to where like even people like Daft Punk, like, you know, 20 odd years on. Yeah. Like, oh man, we need to like do this thing. And like. It's it's worth us restating from Intercell 5555, five, 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 <laughs> that if I recall correctly, Daft Punk sought him out, they didn't did. they? Yes. Yeah. So, so if you think we're being hyperbolic there, we're not. That's literally the events that played out. They went to him to make the uh the, the movie that would form like the the narrative spine of that album of uh, what was it called um, um the, 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 homework the, wasn't it or no discovery discovery no, whichever whatever the name yeah. of the album was I'm sh- I'm sorry I can't remember I feel embarrassed but anyway um but yeah I I did not know that like I I I would say I came into this pretty much completely blind with little background info but like that's really saddening actually that that you. That yeah, like he was a stand-in for that, but also kind of you say beautiful that he gets to live on in the Arcadia. Yeah, yeah I can get behind that. It's enough to make you a bit teary. <laughs> it's Aww. it's so good, man. It's so yes, it's 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 bittersweet, right? Sort of like the overall tone of uh, this movie and a lot of his stuff. It's bittersweet, like yeah. uh, you know, there's tragedy and pathos, but like. You know, there's just uh, enduring soul and virtue and hope. Um, and it's, you know, a thing that I love. I, I mentioned this at the very top of the show. He's got a strong point of view. His ver- his universe is like, it's a moral universe. Um, yes. You know, you, you mentioned like you love that, you know, we have bad guy, bad guy die, you know, things like that. Like, uh there's a there are the you know i think matsumoto i'm rambling but i think matsumoto like has this very sort of uh cultural idea of like something like a natural law which is just like there are things good and bad and we kind of if we think about things and look at past examples of good people that people people call good like we'll figure it out um it it can be discerned from the nature of reality what morals are uh and metaphysically they are they are these things that exist there are good and bad actions um and i think he's he's of that mind and like and you know you have uh it's funny in- entities you have in- you know the like you said the cartoon villains the big you know space witches like like promethea and we also have like you know uh these sort of ground level institutions that are like oppressing poor people and like keeping people from being free. And like, it's clear that like, you know, the government and the cops and like all these sort of, uh, structural forces in three, nine, uh, are bad. Um, because they're bad and they prevent like a man from doing virtuous things <laughs> and doing what people are meant to do. Right. Um, yeah, the 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 ideal male hero in in this story is Captain Harlock, a pirate who lives outside the system, absolutely, and whom the government is very clear they want dead or captured, captured for twelve months of like flavored energy units. <laughs> isn't isn't that or crazy? It was. And like, yeah, and Tetsuro sees that one poster, and he's not like, "What a bad guy," right? He's like, "God damn, this is my hero." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Every yeah. man dreams of like one day being free to like sail the sea of stars and like meet people and go on adventure and like um 
and yeah, like, and, and it does feel, you know, not to, not to bring it back to, you know, bummer topics or whatever, but like, it, it does really feel too, like it's, uh, uh, I, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like you mentioned Harlock, right? As the ideal male hero. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's right. Like Harlock is like tippy top of like the pyramid, uh, in terms of like virtuous characters you want to emulate. Um, whereas like to me, and, and yeah, like it's all about like this, this movie in the Lagiverse, you know, a lot of stuff is all about dudes taking decisive action, men taking yep. control of their life uh, and living it freely. There's a, there's a dude, there's a dude who's killing parents and leaving thousands of orphans like in, in his wake. So let's just go fucking kill him. Yes. No wishy-washy no, nonsense. No. This is Bob Justice, and it's deserved. I'm like, that's refreshing and audacious, and I yes. like it. Like, I wouldn't normally, I wouldn't normally get behind that sentiment. But when you've got a villain that nakedly awful, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Sod it. Blow his fucking metal Nvidia GeForce <laughs> fucking GT Dex 4070 brain out. Yes. Whatever. Yes. And and that's <laughs> do, do and that's it. why the NVIDIA cloud service was shut down because because Count Mecca's brain got blown out. Um all for the best. <laughs> no, it but like um where it, it yeah. So like you have, like you said, you know, um uh a man taking the reins of his life, getting revenge for his mom. Um, and you have characters like Harlock doing their thing. Whereas I feel like most of the women in the movie are sort of defined by like being passengers kind of, you know, it, they're, mm. there's in, indecisive inaction. Um, you have uh, uh, the time which you betrays <laughs> count. Uh, I, I count, will, count I, I by, will by say backing off. Yes. I, I will say now that you bring that up, another complaint I would make actually, and this is something I think that they should change for the more modern version if they were able to make it. Is do you remember the ambulance we mentioned at the end of the, the final quarter of the film, which will blow up planet Maytel mm-hmm. uh, and destroy the machine world mm-hmm. forever? Um, Maytel has the ambulance and is threatening to and throw it. And she can't it. decide. And she can't do it. And then Tetsuro in the end, <laughs> gets the ammo. Yeah, he does it without. I'm like. Tetsuro's already done a lot. Uh-huh. Like, let's just talk about in the confines of the film. Yeah. Never mind the more broader thing of like, why can't the women get it done as well? Let's just like, let's leave that aside. Let's just talk in the confines of the film here. Like, this is again why I think this part should have been expanded outwards because we could have had more like foreshadowing of Maytel's character conflicts and her the internal drama of like, do I really want to literally sacrifice this boy to the great machine of? Like, and to my mother and all that, like, to put another cog in there just because. Is that what I'm there for? Um, You know, does she gain her own humanity back? That kind of thing. And then does she make the ultimate choice to, like, cast everything away? Like, it should have been her decision in my Totally. Totally. And And I I feel disappointed that, like, because, again, Tetsuro at this point has killed Count Mecca. He's done all the other things, like, the letter swipe. He's really exhibited his agency. So he slapped Maytel across the face false. when he thought she betrayed yeah, him. It shouldn't, it shouldn't really 
fall to him to make that final step. I agree. Um, but I'm not going to hold it too hard. I mean, this is not those things like, oh god, this woman tra- this film treats women awfully. I'm just like, again, it's a it's a thing of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Let me be totally clear here. I don't think Matsumoto Rintaro or the text is a misogynist, uh, sort of in an outright way. It's just like this, you know. Like I said, it's a product of a particular time and place in history, and the imaginations and assumptions undergirding the imaginations of the people that made it and wrote it. And so you have, you know, Maytel who can act against other women like shadow or her mom, but like, you know, lets herself get, you know, physically uh, manhandled by the grapevine gang or whatever they're called. Like we're going to x-ray you mama, you know, uh, and can't, you know, can't decide to do the thing. And, you know all that that x-ray scene was was also handled as tastely as, as it could be like i thought it was gonna yeah, be I worse did too. i did too actually yes um and you know you have like uh uh you know even villainous characters like count mecca are like out there doing stuff and like interestingly like shadow is like you know sort of caught in this in this existential quandary, which I love and think is interesting. But I think the contrast between her and other bad guys is also interesting, but bad characters, evil characters, whatever antagonists. Um, and yeah. you know, someone listening to this is probably pulling their hair out and being like, Emeraldus doc, Emeraldus, she's getting shit done. She's like out there. She's she f- getting bumped <laughs> on. If I might be honest, she's not, she doesn't have that much to do in the film, which is fine. She's a side character. She tells Tetsuro where the time castle is, or where it will be, um, and then gets involved in the fight at the end. But the fight, as we've already discussed, like doesn't really do much. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I mean yeah. she fucking rules, like absolutely. She rules, but, but like, but, but but she's also sort of I feel like represent like the way if you look at like the social relations among men and women in the movie, all these interactions and the way they talk to each other and look at each other and sort of are in physical space around each other. She's feared. She is yeah. not idolized. She is feared and she is uh, seen as a sort of abnormality. Whereas someone like Harlock is yeah. like, oh, this is my fucking hero, man. Hell yeah. You know? Yeah, like when she boards the train and everyone's just bricking yeah. it. Yeah. Which I mean, she fired at them. So like, obviously, but like, you know, if... It, that is the thing that the movie sort of chose to do. <laughs> and it just, and it feels like again, how, and how she relates to other people, you know, uh, is that, you know, she's this sort of, she's very different than most women. She's not like other girls, Shadon. <laughs> uh, so I think it's the sort of exception that proves no. the rule sort of thing, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it's really, and you know, it's fair. listen, it's still cute that she loves, uh, Tojiro. Or no, Tochiro. I can't ever get that right for some reason. Potato yes. boy. Yes, little little lady tater. It's cute. <laughs> tater yes, Exactly. Anyway, I mean, it sounds like I hate the movie and I'm soapboxing about this. I'm I'm actually not. I, I no. love I fucking love this movie. I just think it's well, everything we say, like Every criticism we have, we say like with 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 yeah yeah. Affection. I mean, and it's like to call the crit. And when people hear criticism, they think we're making a negative checklist or something. Uh, like 
I don't know. I'm just examining the text and pulling out what I think is interesting and fun to talk about. Like that. That's, that's all. You speaking know. of which, I'll speaking of which, I'll bring up my next yes. talking point. Um, I think there's like a really clear line uh, when Tetsuro gets on the Galaxy Nine 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 for the first time, which I think makes a great subtle point about like again the view of opportunity and freedom and all that because the galaxy express 99 takes on this almost mythological bent to where like it's the doorway to opportunity mm-hmm. like you might necessarily know destination be able to take you to new places and take you to new like experiences um and i think that that mythologizing of it almost um where people are desperate to get a tick on it tick on it is really really great yes um but also it just goes to show that even that like is a part of like a system that excludes the poor when in reality they should just be given the opportunity like tetsuro has to go and uh you know <clears throat> to go out and see the wider universe and i can't help but wonder in turn if this is also a part of the time period it came out because okay it, like this was in the 70s so it's been like what 20 25 years since the end of world war Two. but like japan was reconstructing for a while right. so and I think that, like, it was the point where they started really getting on the international stage. So I can't help but think of that being a part of me. Um, when they go to Pluto, for example, Pluto has Russian-style build buildings on there. So it's very clear to me like, that they, they're trying to use some of these planets as, like, an analogy, uh, like, as being analogies for, like, other real-world locations. I mean, the the other place they enter with the gang, like, that's just basically a Wild West planet. It's basically a... Gunsmoke, whatever it is from Trader's <laughs> right, yeah, tra- Traitor's Fork. Yeah. 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 So I think that um like even as far as like before Tetsuro's journey even begins, like that message, like that what people people should be allowed to like go out into the wider world and like to discover things themselves and seek opportunity, and it shouldn't be the domain of the rich, even before he gets on the train. Mm. I think that's a really great point the uh, the film makes, and it's really subtly done as well. Like it's not beaten over the head with. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I mean this is bleeds into my next point is that, I mean, my overall read of the film, and we we talked about this a little bit. It's just that you have you know a mechanization as this really cool interesting metaphor between uh, like for wealth inequality you know between the haves and the have-nots uh and they do Mm. interesting things with it right like all interesting metaphors it's not that every person with a mechanized body is this wealthy horrible person but like you know there's different ways they play with it like with claire uh or like what they're gonna do to tetsuro at the end of the movie but like yeah i mean count mecca and and promethea like they represent like this a symptom and then the big powerful institution of uh of wealth that is like literally dehumanizing the people that engage in it but also then they in turn sort of dehumanize uh you know their uh, people that they feel like they're uh way above in the social hierarchy um and they just stop thinking of them as the same species like you said and count mecca hunts them for sport and, um, you know, Tetsuro wants to, uh, feels like he's got to gain that power, that, that wealth, right. To be on the same level as this horrible person. But then he finds out like, well, it's this really oppressive institution. Like, and it does these 
horrible things to not just the people, not just human beings, but like the people participating in, like Maytel, like Shadow, who I am itching to talk about next talking point. Um, so we got to bring that shit down, and and then he does, uh, and you know Captain Harlock and Emerald this as ineffectual as they may be <laughs> they they kind of i guess play their part and it's it's rad um but yeah um i i like how sort of like uh boy's journey of revenge and self-discovery like becomes when i need to topple capitalism or at least this giant evil corporation uh i think that's yeah. rad <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I think like this in other works, I'd feel more annoyed about the fact that it's that easy. And uh, there is a little bit of that, but I think that's more the fact that it just gets juiced last second. But like, maybe it is just the case that one person's choices can change the course of like everything. Maybe it can happen. Who knows? Um, I'm going to talk very quickly about Claire. By the way, mm. um, this is the this film is one of the greatest advocates for treating service workers well um but i also think it's a great thing to point out that like for the dehumanized like you can bring them back yeah just by tra- treating them as normal fucking human beings Hell yeah which is great like i to the point i you, you can say like it's all super exaggerated now that she'd go so far she does to sacrifice her own life then but like this film is very big and bombastic in a way, and I think that's all by design. I think it works. But from that, the, the lesson still is like, you know, just be nice and polite <laughs> and kind to people. For God's sake, even just someone who literally serves you food on a train, that's all you need to do. And, you know, the world will become a brighter and better place. Is that so hard? Yeah. So I think that, I think that was a lovely little thing they did there with Claire. Yeah, I, li- I like Claire and, and the part she plays and yeah, I like the sort of the micro, like, you know, that, that you know, not to neglect uh, preventing dehumanization and stuff like that on the micro level and personal interactions. A great, another great example of this, in my opinion, is uh, Ryuzu, uh, the Time Witch, who is Count Mecha's uh, final friend and companion. Oh, like, yeah. The, the whole reason she doesn't sort of go on with him uh and make the time castle which is again such a great name the time castle fantastic um <laughs> she she's like inspired by by Tetsuro when she like sees him in the bar and hears him talking she's like oh yeah like you know wow like um i i'm i'm you know moved by you to the point where like i remember what it was like um to to be human and so this this needs to end and then you have like this you know that's when everything like i said earlier turns to rust and it's visually cool but it's also thematically boss as hell because like you have this monument of the supposed eternal life that wealth has built for these people they can hop through time they they can live forever. They don't have a care in the damn world. And yet, one human being whose natural life is finite and whose body is frail 
is all that remains at the end when the whole thing crumbles because that person reached out to another person and like moved them. Like that's some sort of like hearts and minds, cultural change shit that I also love. <laughs> it rules. Yeah. It's absolutely great. Um, right. Over to you, my friend. I feel like I've just made <laughs> a point. Why don't you go? Because I feel like I've been talking a lot. Oh gosh. Um, or, or I can go. Or I, I can go. You, that this okay. No, 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 no. I, I, I got, I got something. So I said before, this film doesn't lack for imagination. So let, I, I it talks about the plot at the beginning. I'm going to talk about the locations. In order, we have the like undercity slum area that almost feels like um, with like high rise, like Detroit, like apartments mm-hmm. and all that. Um, then there's of course the Galaxy Express itself. Then the first place they end up is Titan, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's correct. Um, which, which is the, uh, the the desert plant. <laughs> oh, the, the swamp. No, you're right. Sorry, the swamp. Yes. Uh, where we meet... Um, Tanjiro's mom. Or, God damn it. Tochiro's mom. The, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Antares, mom, right. the, old, the old man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so there's that. Um, then after that, we've got uh, Pluto, the ice planet. Which features the mausoleum of like people's yes. bodies uh, that have been traded out, which is just uh, like again not like the imagination on display and the creativity is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then of course we've got um, Count Mecca's time castle, like the the, the fucking spaceships that come in, uh, Planet Maytel mm-hmm. itself. Like it's crazy all the different places that we end up going. It really feels like a a, a rich, like and well, like realized w- like world um, and universe where all of these different places are, are here, and none of them feel samey. They all serve a purpose. It's absolutely spectacular stuff. So just for the sheer spectacle and vistas of it alone, like some of the art in this is drop dead gorgeous. Um, that alone makes this worthwhile. Like you really do feel like you're going on a long journey. Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't put that better. That's an excellent point. Like, I love all the different locales and all the stuff they get up to and like how each uh, each planet represents an important step in Tetsuro's journey that builds on the last step all the way to the, to the end. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it, it rips. Um, speaking of Pluto, though, let's talk about Pluto because... This again, this might be my favorite part in the whole movie. Uh, when my man goes to fo- follows Maytel to the mausoleum and sees beneath the sheet of ice all the bodies of the people yeah. who are mechanized, and then he meets Shadow. Oh my goodness, I love this character and creativity that you talked about. Like this, this whole thing like adds so much texture and like kind of grounds uh, the mechanization to me from like uh, keeping it from being, I mean, it grounds as much as anything this movie can be grounded, I guess, but like keeps it from feeling way too simple and like, you know, mecha people bad, all bad and, and horrible where, and, and like the reasons that they get mechanized and all this stuff are so different and like you have this character who's been mechanized and shadow who she was like the most beautiful person 
in the world in her own mind. And she's very beautiful. We see her body, of course, is like take is is this sort of in, in this enshrined position in like a glass ornate glass coffin uh, above the sheet of ice where the common folk have their bodies, right? Um, and mm-hmm. she, all she does, she has her mechanized body. She can go do whatever the fuck she wants. All she does is sit in that tomb and stare at her body being preserved and think to herself like, fuck, I really want to, go back in my body and be a beautiful human being but if i do well that comes at the price I'll get old yeah <laughs> and if i'm in this yeah. robot body i could be young forever but like but she she didn't get a face made when she had her body mechanized because she didn't think it could be as beautiful as her human face and she didn't want to try to emulate it and she's just like clearly degraded mentally right and it's like in just just there like existing in the stew of of these narcissistic myopic juices when uh tessaro kind of wanders in and she's just like come to me and like wraps him up and he's like oh my god you're so cold and she's like look at my body and how awesome it is and She's like plans on killing him because she's resentful of other people who are just living in their bodies when she could just go so easily go do it. Right. But, but like you said, that, that awful risk of like, of age, of injury, of, uh, of kind of existing in like time working on, on her human body, uh, so that it won't be the ideal that's preserved in, in the mind, uh, in her mind anymore. And, it's so yeah. fascinating. I love it so much. I, I can't help but wonder, having from what you said there, like maybe it's not just about like the mechanized body being like um, a representation of extreme wealth dehumanizing someone. Maybe it's like a, meant to be deaf, in, but not in the way that we think of it, like the death of the self. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, where mm-hmm. like there's almost a dichotomy going on here where if you live a normal human life, you die normally, but you have a full and rich personality and a soul even. Um, whereas if you become a machine, if you take a machine body, you can't really die, at least not unless you're shot in the head, but that's a different thing, at least not from the passage of time. But you die in the other sense of losing yourself. Like So maybe it's like both like groups of yeah. like people, machine and non-machine people, die in different ways. And maybe that's part of the reason. I think mm. that's quite interesting, actually, if that's if that's one way one can read it. But yeah, like, also just the mythology, or the mythologizing bit, like, she's really more of, like, a bitter ghost, mm-hmm. like, a poltergeist, like, not, not even a poltergeist, I suppose, but, like, just a an angry spirit. Like, if if Geralt of Rivius nah. stopped by, he'd have something to say on this. I oh would, man! I would say. It's that kind of thing where where there's clear where there's like a story that's like caused it to become traps like between worlds. Exactly. And I, I, yeah. yeah, and that's for for a bit character who probably pops up very quickly or relatively quickly given the scope of the film. You're yeah. right to say like that her presence does enrich it. It does like the just the concepts at play like really helps them for being so flat. Uh, as they might otherwise be, and like, gosh, yeah, like she does seem like this this weird sort of wraith that a witcher would have to would have to get rid of, and and this is like this right here is like 
Mwah. What I love about the Masamoto space fantasy is this sort of like cross section, this crossroads of like sci-fi robot shit and like eldritch horror, weird, unexplained shit. Um, it is it it does this, it for me, man. Now that you bring that up, <laughs> now that you bring that up, wasn't that also very similar in Interstellar? Because at the end, like the record company owner guy also just literally was like the source of all evil oh, yeah. or something. <laughs> he was like, yeah, and he was in a he was in a spooky castle. That's right. You're right. Yes, that's yes. brilliant. I rem- I remember this now. Yes, man, this rules. I love it so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think I have anything else really to bring up. Um, oh, actually, I have one small thing. Um, beyond the way the film looks and sounds, there's also a lot of really good storyboarding and direction as well. Mm-hmm. Because in the scene in which the police raid Maysell's apartment to try and take um, Tetsuro, um, she has like a flashbang earring of sorts. And she throws that to the floor. And then the moment the screen goes white, we cut immediately to them at the train station going to board the Galaxy Express 999. And I thought that was a super clever mm-hmm. shot. I really liked that. We didn't have like the unnecessary escape scene, Rafe, and it was just like, we're getting out of here, poof, and we're gone. Poof. There's there's a lot of st- there's there's a lot of good stuff like that in the earlier parts of the film. Also some just good imagery, like when she buries um Toshiro's um uh, guitar. Sorry, when he buries good to, uh, um yeah. Toshiro's guitar, like and that like that grave scene, like oh my god. And then yeah, the images on Twitter, like the there's there's a lot of good stuff in this film that's not really to do with just how it looks or sounds. Also, the way exposition is handled is really good as well. There's not like a there is a narrator at the start, but he doesn't go into reams and reams of detail. We like the first like twenty minutes are very much exposition free. We just get to see like them bump into Maytel, like Tensoro bumps Maytel, and we're left to draw our own conclusions about all the events we've seen thus far. There isn't, like, someone talking over Exposition Radio 99.7 <laughs> giving you all the plot details you need in the background unobtrusively. This is Exposition Radio 99.7. Wouldn't it be 99.9 in this case? Would have yes. to be. Y- yes, it, <laughs> yes, it would. Um, so, no, they, they do a really good job with all of that. I mean, you could make a point like, oh, the, the dream thing is super convenient and all of that. But... I'm willing to let it slide because, for one, I think it's really nicely stylized with, like, a uh-huh. scheme on it. Two, um, I think that as far as an in-universe explanation of, like, why of his motivations, I think it's perfectly fine. And three, like, we get the ambiguity of Maytel's motivations for doing that and basically taking his memories out without his permission. Which, funnily enough, <laughs> we uh, we didn't mention a scene in which he gets the opportunity to do the reverse. Right. Because Maytel sleeps on on the mm-hmm. train, and he now has the compacts with the little like pink memory reader, and he thinks of doing that to Maytel to get like some idea of her own like goals mm-hmm. in the past, and he not only decides against it, but then he actually <laughs> destroys it, and we get we get a brief shot of Maytel smiling as she realizes that's happened. She sees him like sweeping yeah. the wreckage of it under she gets the chair. What I thought that was a re- yeah, I thought that was a really nice. It moment. was. It was a lovely moment. Um... And when you when you find out the sort of the deal with Maytel, right? Um, it's like I think slightly less weird that she would be spying on his dreams or whatever, because that was sort of, in some sense, she lived that in a in a sort of weird spiritual 
hand-me-down kind of way. Yeah. Which we did not mention yet. You, you alluded to it. The scene where he does meet his actual, what remains of his mother again. Oh, Jesus. Woo. That was, that um, was a lot. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm just going to say it. Count Mecca, he is a hunter. <laughs> so what do hunters do with the trophies of the dead animals they yeah. slay? Mount them. Fuck me. <laughs> I, oh. She's literally mounted on the wall yeah, for, as a mm. naked body. And it's just... It's, it's, From like the waist d- 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 up. Yeah. Like, for for this film and everything I expect it to be about, and as I was watching along, I was like, when it goes hard, it goes fucking hard. It, Holy shit. Yes. Like... Again, this is also why I'm glad we didn't get, like, the rights of all sentient beings, he must go on trial. No, bang! <laughs> Put that yeah, fucker down. Yeah. This is way more Wild West type uh, type scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I agree. I mean, there, it, we, we, ain't, we, we, ain't, we ain't Vash the Stampeding no, this. No. this. We're going Nicholas D. Wolfwood on yes, this dickhead. Yes, this is uh, vigilante justice. Is uh, And again, this is like, you know... Uh, it's we say it jokingly or whatever, but like at the in the Lagey verse, that's like a, a fine and good thing for a man to do is like a moral man can make that kind of judgment about another person and dispense justice, you know, for fuck like arm of the state, all that shit. Uh justice needs to be done, and we're out in space. You know, the the only law out here is the law that you make or whatever. Uh, and, and that's the only legitimate law anyway. It's like the the natural law. Like other things like that are being imposed by humans are bad, it would seem, or, or can get it wrong. Uh, spectacularly in the case of uh, whatever is happening on Earth uh, in the movie. Um, and so, yeah, there's no trial, man. It's just He just needs to get shot through the head. That's it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's it. I'm I'm entirely alright with that. Anyway, um, that's all I have to offer on talking points beyond just go turn off this podcast and go watch it because it's amazing. And uh, I'm very glad I picked it in the end. I yeah. Um, do I have other things, man? There's just a lot. Like, you know, we didn't. I guess we already touched on the sort of Oedipal nature of the movie, and maybe it's not like a thing we necessarily want to dwell on. Um. Even though, again, conceptually, I think it's fascinating. Like, it's it's a weird uh, path to follow. Like, because originally it's like, you know, the relationship between Tetsuro and Maytel is like, you know, a, a, one of like a friendly nature, a sort of becomes almost, almost a mentor-mentee. But I actually don't think... In, in a kind of direct way. It's more like, uh, I don't know, she's like, I don't know if nurse or caretaker is the right word, but she's just watching she, him. She's, she presents him she presents him with scenarios and situations and lets him come to his yeah. own judgment. Yes, that is, a, that is an excellent way to put it. Like, she's just like, you know, well, boy has to be a man and has to, like, he's got his own ideas. Hot-blooded guy wants revenge. Like, yeah, he's got to, make his decisions and make mistakes and figure this out. And I'll be here kind of waiting when he, when he comes back and needs me. 
Um, and, um, then <laughs> yet because we slowly learn, like, you know, she cares about him in a deeper way. Like she really loves him. It's hard to know if that's totally romantic or kind of this mix of like, there's the fact that she's in, you know, his mom's body and that she's her own kind of immortal person who maybe like she's this ethereal being who age has ceased to mean anything because she's lived for God knows how long continuing to switch bodies. And, uh, and so it doesn't really click for her in the head, uh, the, the way that it would do for a normal person. Uh, but, but it, it you know, they snuggle and the, there's the, like the, the kiss at the end. There's just a lot there. And I feel like, uh, I don't know. We need like a Freudian, uh, here to, to walk us through what's happening. I'm just going to let it go and just put it down as just innocent. Yeah. Uh, ah, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, li- I legit have nothing. And I don't even know uh, if you could be like, what he feels for her is romantic by then. I mean, they just care about each other. And it's like, weird. <laughs> it's like, it's it's weird. But But yeah, I don't come away from it being like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm not too I'm, put I'm, off I'm by it. I'm questioning it. Just because of like the allegorical I, uh, nature of this film, like it's it doesn't it doesn't yeah, hit you in a, it's, it's, in a way that's off putting. It's uh, it's another it's another thing that just simply has an age. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the way I see it. Ah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm all done. Like this this film is amazing, and people should watch it uh, immediately. Um, and I think that we definitely need to check out uh, Arcade in My Youth, as you say. We need to go and get all of the uh, all of the rest of the lady stuff on uh, covered, like all the notable like entries, like in the big temple stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, no, I I also I think I'm out of talking points. Like I I love this movie. I think it's beautiful, uh, artistically, aesthetically, thematically. Um. I think it's like such a great class struggle story. I think it has like the iconic characters here really get to shine and like do cool stuff. And you have your Avengers assemble moment at the end where they go ham on the robot or the robot planet. There's just a lot of, there's a lot here. This is a movie with some deep soul to it, in my opinion. Um, a lot of, a lot of pathos and, and melancholy and like, um, you know, there's, there's a, in, in a lot of cases, you really feel like you're kind of emotionally in tune with the characters. You really feel what they're feeling and they're, I like that they're all feeling so deeply it, it like the melodrama of everything really does it for me. Um, and like, yeah. and then, and again, like just the, the setting, like we talked about, that's, uh, the science fantasy and how it blends is, uh, is so intriguing um, there's just a lot to chew on. So yeah. Um, I, I think, and to me, like, I mean, Shadon just watched, Shadon just watched it in 2023 for the first time ever. You know, I only watched it a few years ago myself. So like, I think we're a testament to like, this movie still holds up and it's still like, there's a, there, there's a lot of value to get out of it. Just approaching it now in 2023. Um, and don't worry about continuity. 
not a big deal. So, no, I, I, someone who knew next to nothing about it, I had no issues with the with the film itself. Like, I understood everything that was going on. Um, even the even the ending quarter of it, like mixed up and confused as it feels, like uh, I didn't need any prior knowledge. Um, it was all provided to me, and it was all provided in a really organic and well handled way to boot. You won't have any issues with. Well, at least watching the film and, and understand what's going on, obtaining it different matter. But anyway. I know I was like, part of me was getting ready at some point. I was like, oh, am I gonna am I gonna have to say like, oh well, this is fleshed out more in the TV series, or like manga readers would would have a a good idea of this, and like it's it's none of that. Like to me, I mean, maybe of course viewing could be enhanced by that stuff, but you don't need to have seen anything else uh, to get into it. So. <clears throat> yeah yes i think four thumbs up from the pair of us absolutely right well on that note we shall wrap up um before we go though uh my turn in the uh in the barrel my rotation on uh films and anime has ended at this point uh so it's over to you doc do you have your next anime and next film lined up that you would like to share with us i do i do oh boy i got lay on me lay both on me of them. so our next two projects uh first up is uh our non-anime uh portion and we are gonna be watching um a another old movie um it is oh man this episode is probably gonna have our lowest <laughs> listen count because i don't know if anybody it's going to like hear this and be like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm excited for this. Or, or I know about this. But let me tell you, you should be. If you want something that feels authored <laughs> and feels like it has a point of view that is very strong, um, especially aesthetically, get on board for Tokyo Drifter next time, okay? Yeah. Not... not <laughs> Not the Fast and the Furious film, Tokyo Drift. This is the <laughs> 1966 Yakuza film directed by Seijun Suzuki. Um, absolute banger. Like, I have the Criterion disc. I think you could buy it on, like, iTunes or something um, if you need to, or, or Prime, if you need to, to watch it. I don't know if it's a rental thing, but, like, it's four bucks to, to buy uh, if you don't want to spend money on the disc, but, uh, holy, holy cow. Is it, uh, it is an experience and I don't know if you're going to like it, Shadon. I have no idea how you're going to feel about this movie, but I think it's one of those. You're going to be like, yeah, I'm glad I watched this. So <laughs> count me uh, yeah. in, count and me then in our anime. And then oh. we are, we are continuing with the Lagiverse. You have inspired me, Shadon. Uh, like Tetsuro inspired uh Ryuzu. Is it oh, I've forgotten her name now. Yeah, Ryuzu. The time witch. Uh and I and I am I'm not moving the time castle forward in time. We're sticking right here and we're gonna watch Arcadia of My Youth, goddammit. Yeah. We're gonna learn we're gonna Count learn how to be in. a real man. Uh how how Masamoto thinks we should we should be. And uh, <laughs> after all this time, finally, I, will I know. Learn. <laughs> yes, it's it's going to rock. Um, I love that movie, too. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, and in fact, I don't know if it's a movie 
that I have. I've bought it, but I don't know if I've ever watched the disc that I own. So it'll be interesting to see if there are special features. There were not really any on the Eastern Star DVD for 3.9. So we'll see. But yeah, man, uh, Tokyo Drifter from 67 and uh, Arcadia of My Youth from, I think, 1982, something like that. But yeah, we're going to be we're going to be sticking with the old material for the next couple months. Heck yeah. All right. Well, um, you've all got that sort of forward to folks. But in the meantime, in the here and now, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this, say just drop us a comment, a like, subscribe, and wherever you might have got this from. Um, you can find me at Shane1010 on Twitter until eventually the site dies a gargling death. Um, feel free to follow me and talk to me about all sorts of stuff on there. Doc, um, where can people find you? I mean, probably will be best to just tweet the show Twitter account at this point <laughs> at what are we Uh, I do have at the subtle doctor of course. And, but I, I will go literal days without, without looking at it. Uh, such has been my waning of, of Twitter use. Uh, and I've, unlike anime, I've, my love of Twitter has not been rekindled by anything. <laughs> so, uh, mostly I'm on the discord. So, uh yeah that's right yeah and as a reminder if you, if you want to if you want to get on the discord go to co-fi.com forward slash warriedesho and just drop us a say a pound or two a dollar or two and you can get in come, come join us and uh have a grand old time definitely um also of course you can follow us at warriedesho on twitter particularly if you're an automated sex bot <laughs> and if you're wondering what the context of that is believe me i've been very curious why our follow account is going up and it looks like every single person is some sort of scantily clad woman i'm like hmm that's definite. I mean, Elon Musk wouldn't lie about like bots being <laughs> removed from the platform entirely at this. That's point, why he bought it. That's he's, he? he said he got it to do the My... good work. So, what to make sure that people didn't feel as divorced as he does? <laughs> yeah, lot, lots of it's it's fun to log in. And be like, oh, there's so many follow backs. Let's let's take a look. Uh, oh, well, that's a profile picture. Oh, following ten thousand followers, three. Ah. Uh, Weird. I wonder why that is. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, if if your name is something like Shelly Bag of Numbers or whatever, we you don't have to follow us. We we don't want we don't want automated sex bots following us. If you're an actual human being though, a flesh and blood person, definitely do follow us though. We will we will gladly take your follow and uh, appreciate any interaction and uh, shout ats. Uh, that you that you will give us on Twitter or Discord, uh, and you know you can you can find our stuff on uh, Apple Pods and Spotify and just about any place you get podcasts. Also, uh, give us give us a review, a five snake review, uh, and and leave a leave a nice note. Uh, it, it would sorry if if you want to help us out, uh, but you don't fancy you know giving us a couple bucks on Ko-Fi. Totally understand well within your purview don't hold it against you but if you still want to help us and, and not spend money that's one way to do it just give us a rating and review yeah absolutely right well on that note everyone ladies gentlemen MBs, once again thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Warrior Death Show uh, we'll be back soon as I say with Tokyo Drifter and of course um, Arcadia of My Youth uh, but until that time until we uh, stop at the next station so to speak Make sure to take care of yourself, your family, your loved ones. Stay safe, stay happy as best you can. 
And as we often say on this podcast, embrace you, everyone. It's the end of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. <laughs>